as we welcome you into Hoopsville here on this Thursday evening. Of course, Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA NABC studios. Nebraska Wesleyan, the number one team in the country, goes down to Loris 84-76. A surprise for a lot of reasons, though I'm not surprised. To be blunt, I'm not surprised. I have said all season, if you've listened to the show or read my blog, that I did not expect anybody to go undefeated this season. I did not expect Nebraska Wesleyan as good as they've gotten in the offseason and, and as, as much depth as I, I did not expect them to go undefeated. I didn't expect Augustana or Whitman, Whitworth, Osher, you name a team. I expected nobody to be undefeated at least through the regular season and most importantly into the NCAA tournament. I did not see it happen. I didn't see it as possible. There's too much parity. There are too many good games. There's too many good teams. Was I surprised that Nebraska Wesleyan went this long? Yeah, we could argue that I was surprised by that. I thought Nebraska Wesleyan would take a hit earlier in the season, though, admittedly, I'm not sure maybe where that, that hit earlier in the season could have come. Granted, uh, they've already played Loris once. Uh, they didn't have anything that jumps out of you. I don't, I don't think, you know, Grinnell or St. Norbert would have been that team. Um, they played George Fox and Linfield. There's an outside chance. So Loris might have been it. And it really, I thought, maybe could have been the Loris game back on the 5th. Granted, that game was played in Lincoln, Nebraska. This one being played at Loris. And that was the advantage. And if you look at the two games, they're somewhat eerily similar. Loris loses at Nebraska Wesley in 89-71. They win at home 84-76. If you were to deduce anything by that, Nebraska Wesleyan's the better team, but home court worked in Loris's favor. Loris now has defeated both the top two teams in the country in men's basketball. Both Nebraska Wesley and Augustana own a loss, and they're both to Loris. I think Loris, as a result, has proven that they are a very good top 25 team. You've got some losses in there that are going to question. The, the loss to Dubuque, you may kind of roll your eyes at, but remember, that's also a rivalry game, so I don't take too much stock in it. We'll talk a lot more about this with Bob Quillman. Someone else put an interesting point on the board, and I think it was Ryan Scott, who talked about mulligan games. We'll talk to Bob a little bit about that. Bob joining us tonight versus uh, Ryan, who was unable to join us this evening. So I'm really interested to see how this is all going to work. Dan, I get that you like Oshkosh, my man. Oshkosh is still doing well. Um, and, yes, uh, back to this. I, I – the debate now is going to become on the men's side. Who do you vote for number one? There are four teams with one loss. Nebraska Wesleyan, Augustana, Whitman, and Oshkosh. I'm currently voting for Nebraska Wesleyan, so is every 25. All the 25 voters are voting for Nebraska Wesleyan number one. Now the question becomes, who do you vote for? I'm not going to give you my thoughts on it now. I know some of you are probably angry by that. Bob Quillman's coming on later. Our debatable conversation is going to be, what do you do with that number one vote? They weren't the only ones that lost. Whitworth lost to Willamette this weekend, 95-93. That one surprised me a great deal. I, I think Whitworth is one of the best Whitworth teams they've ever had is on that floor. But this is what happens once in a while. And i got to go back and dive into the game. I had to take some time yesterday and not watch games, though that one was on late enough I could have, for a uh, daddy-daughter responsibility with the school. There was a dance, and I, I needed to do that and spend time with my daughter. Because uh, basically, let's be honest, they're losing me for the next six to, six to eight weeks, period. 
on weekends. Um, not that they haven't lost me already, but they're definitely losing me for the next eight weeks. Uh, Whitworth, every once in a while when they have to go deep on the bench, they get in trouble. Now, they went deep in the bench against Whitman because of foul trouble, and they got through it. But their other loss this season, besides that Whitman game, was because they had to go deep in the bench. Now, I don't know if that's what happened against Willamette. I'm going to have to double-check. But foul trouble is Whitworth's Achilles heel. The other thing is sometimes I think they lose focus. And I and we saw that a little bit in Las Vegas. I still think they're a top 10 team. They are darn good. But that's now their third loss. And you got to figure the pressure is on now because they've got to still play Whitman at least one more time. Now the conference race has gotten a little bit more interesting. And Whitworth at least wants to stay in the two-hole. Regional rankings coming out in 10 days-ish. They want to be back still in that conversation that forces the committee to split the wits. If Whitworth takes another couple of losses, let's just say one, I think it gets more interesting and more difficult for the committee to split them. Four-loss team, it might be hard to say, yeah, we definitely got to move them because they're the fifth-ranked team in the, in the region. And I'm spitballing on those numbers. Don't take those for legit. So that loss to Willamette could come back to bite the Pirates big time. Um, Hamilton lost to Colby. Colby was a buzzsaw this weekend. Went through Amherst and Hamilton. Hamilton is high at six. I'll be blunt. But that's the th here's the trick. I've got him at six. I don't like him at six. But until now, I haven't had a lot of teams I felt comfortable putting ahead of him. Now I've got a lot because that loss to Colby, I think, hurts. I'm not saying Colby isn't a good team. They beat Amherst and Hamilton. But I that's still a loss you can't take especially after you beat Bowden 77-42. you got to go and handle Colby, especially when you know they beat Amherst. you got to be ready for the Mules, and Hamilton loses that game. I am gu guarantee you, look at the box score. It's a turnover problem. Um, Dan says, uh, we'll get to that in a second, Dan. Um, sorry. Uh, Wabash lost to Worcester. I watched that game. The game was at Worcester. Worcester needed to win that game at, at Timken. Um, Worcester got up by an 11-0 lead, I think, before Wabash fought back in it. Uh, if you listen to the announcers, apparently the referees were all in favor of Wabash. Couldn't have been lesser from the truth, but we'll move on from that. Uh, that is a game Worcester needed to win. It just makes things more confusing for I. I have not voted for Worcester this season once. Maybe now I need to consider it. Um, they are 16-3, and three, and with a win over Wabash, I need to really consider that Worcester is probably better than I've given them credit for. Hats off to Randolph-Macon. They got past Lynchburg. Lynchburg on a two-game slide this week is going to hurt their ranking, but hats off. I think that's a signature win for a Yellow Jackets team that is showing that they are darn good this season. Uh, St. John's, we mentioned, had lost to St. Thomas back on Monday, but they beat St. St. Mary's, Handley, and Hamlin uh, by 12. Those are good bounce-back uh, wins. We mentioned Lynchburg lost both, one to non-ranked Guilford, who was receiving votes, and one to uh, Randolph-Bacon. Both games close, by the way. A six-point loss to Guilford in overtime, a six-point loss to Randolph-Macon. Christopher Newport, we've talked about him being way too high, possibly. They barely got past Salisbury, who was receiving votes, and they barely lost to York on the road. Nothing against the captains. I'm not buying. I'm just not buying. Maybe I'm missing something, but I just don't see it. We'll see how they are treated by the voters. Uh, Pomona Pitzer's a, a, a really weird at 16 with one loss. They haven't played anybody. I, I'm not even voting for them. Amherst had an up-and-down season. I think I mentioned last show they lost to Eastern Connecticut, and, and that's a mistake on my part. Either I saw a score wrong or I just misinterpreted something. I don't know what I did. They beat Eastern Connecticut. Then they lost to Colby and beat Bowden. 
So they literally had a flip-flop weekend to Ham, uh, Hamilton because they both lost to Kobe. They both beat Bowden in similar fashions, just in different orders. Stevens Point got back on the on the right side of things, beat Stout and beat Eau Claire and beat him handily and held them to low scores. That was impressive. Rochester, they're going to be coming out of the top 25. Lost to Brandeis Day. And hats off to Brandeis on the season they're having, by the way. Absolutely hats off to the judges. They are having a tremendous season considering their offseason. I am really impressed with what Brandeis has been doing this season. They aren't world beaters, but they're good. Rochester takes their fourth loss. I'm not going to vote for them. I suspect they lose a ton of votes here, and I'm not sure any UAA team gets in right now. We'll talk more about that later in the show. Loris, we mentioned, uh, lost to Wartburg, by the way, early in the week. We said on Thursday's show they need to beat Nebraska Wesleyan or on a two-game slide. I think they're out of the top 25 if that had been the case. They beat Nebraska Wesleyan. Hats off to them. Wittenberg, they're going to come out of the top 25. We mentioned that. They beat De- uh, lost to DePaul, beat Allegheny, means nothing. And Wesleyan's going to come out of the top 25, losing to tough 75-71. Wesleyan, just too inconsistent for my own liking. We can go through a whole host of other things. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven other losses in the receiving votes category. Dan mentions brutal weather in the Midwest this week might impact games. Absolutely agree with you. That, that weather will also move. Somewhat to the northeast, so I think it will have less impact. Uh, it says only matters with the seeds of the tourney to be reasonable. Unfortunately, the 500-mile radius seldom does that equitably. Of course, welcome to Division Three. Um, you think Oshkosh or Augie will be one, Dan? I don't agree with you. I think I think voters will still be voting for Nebraska Wesleyan. I think Oshkosh will get a look. I think what gets interesting is I think all four teams, Nebraska Wesleyan, Augustana, Whitman, and Oshkosh, will all get first-place votes. Who comes out of that in number one is up for grabs. But I don't think it comes down to just Augustana or Oshkosh. I think Whitman sitting third and Oshkosh sitting four with a distance of uh, 17 points tells you enough that Whitman's got some love that could keep them above Oshkosh no matter how the first-place votes break down. Um, Ira Thor says Nebraska Wesleyan will be his number one. There's an example. There's at least one voter who's publicly already telling you who his number one is. I will tell you my number one by the end of the night. you got to stick around, but I will tell you by the end of the night who I think the number one team will be. Uh, Daryl says, well, Wirtworth's men's inability of putting together a full game lately finally caught up with him last night, and now on Whitman Tuesday night, they lack focus intensity at times and drives me nuts. Daryl, I agree with you. I think it's still one of the best talented teams Whitworth has put on the floor this season, but it's the going deep in the bench and not playing a full 40 all the time that that is understandably going to drive people crazy. I still think they're a top 10 team, maybe higher than that, I don't agree with those who think they aren't that great, but I, I I do get frustrated with the lack of focus on that team. I don't know where it is. Sometimes guys decide to do things on their own. Some guys disappear. They take some teams a little too lightly. They cannot do that, and they're going to play themselves into not being shipped out that first weekend um, absolutely six ways to Sunday if they don't get smart here. Let's talk quickly about who's on the show because we got to get we got a tight show and I got to keep things moving tonight. Keep your questions coming. By the way, our email may be acting up. Hoopsville at d3hoops.com is how you can interact with us via email. To be honest with you, we haven't gotten any emails this month. We've had a couple of test emails come back to us a couple hours later as it didn't work. So if you go to d3hoops.com under the contact us, you'll find my email address, dave.mchugh, dave.mchugh at d3sports.com. Go ahead and email there temporarily. We'll fix the bottom crawl. I just don't think Hoopsville works, and I apologize to those who have tried. Let's quickly talk. We're going to jump back into women's basketball coming up next. Randy Tuggle will join.
join us here on the show, the Greensboro women's coach. They were neck and neck for the top of the East Division in the USA South until they lost to Averett, but we'll talk to Randy about that. Nicole Sarcone will join us from Staten Island. She's a first-year head coach at Staten Island. They're on the top of the CUNYAC right now. We'll talk to her about all of that. Coming up in the NABC Coaches Corner tonight, Gary Stewart from Stevenson joins us. Uh, Gary is a very involved with the NABC. He has a rich Division Three history with a little bit of a Division One mixed in. We'll talk to him about all of that and his maybe quote-unquote surprising Mustang squad. Um, if the Mac Commonwealth could vote better, um, maybe they wouldn't be a surprise. We'll talk to Gary coming up. Todd Murphy from Gordon will join us representing the Northeast region, talking to him about the battle in the Triple C conference, uh, especially the battle with Endicott, who they've already got a win over right now. And then Bob Quillman will join us for the top 25 double take. Uh, we'll, we'll talk to Bob. Ryan's not here tonight. We'll talk to him about who the debatable team is and who you're going to vote for number one. But then we will buy and sell some teams tonight. Did you get all that? Were you following along? Were you taking notes? I hope you were on all of it because we got a lot to jam in tonight, and I'll still try and take your questions throughout the show. You're listening to Hoops Hope presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA NABC studios. We'll be back with more Hoops Hope when we come back. Football has taught me a lot throughout my life. It's definitely had a huge imprint on who I am as a person. Competing at a Division three level created that opportunity for me to go to college. Not only was I the first one in my family to graduate college, but I was really the first one to even go. Being the first one, I'm breaking that cycle, and, and now that I've graduated, I'm not sure what's the next step, but I know I have a lot of doors open. And a lot of those are open because I played football and ran track here at Otterbein. who are Division III student-athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics, and in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. I'm a Division III student athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a Division III student athlete, and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division III. We are the coaches of women's basketball. We are leaders and teachers, dreamers and winners. We are professionals who conduct ourselves ethically and with integrity. We place the education, safety and well-being of the athletes we coach above all else and teach them the fundamental values they need to succeed in life. We are coaches united for the good of our game and those who play it. We are the WBCA. 
Welcome back to Hoopsville. I'm Amy Reed, head coach at RIT and a member of the Women's Basketball Coaches Association. We hope you enjoy the show. Now back to Dave. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody here on this Thursday or Sunday evening. I think I said Thursday earlier in the show. That's how much my brain hasn't gotten figured out. Just a reminder coming up on um, Thursday, we'll have our marathon show. It's officially going to start at 12 o'clock Eastern time, a little bit later than we have in the past. We're trimming some hours off the show. This year, we're aiming for about an eight-hour show. I've got a long list of guests. We've, we've got some special guests that are going to be on the show. Really looking forward to it. Hope you'll tune in uh, between 12 and 8 o'clock Eastern time on Thursday as we celebrate everything Division Three basketball and at the same time get everybody ready because in a week's time from that point, we'll be talking regional rankings. Uh, so lots to talk about. We love getting in a little bit of extra time. And so again, 12 o'clock Eastern time next week on Hoopsville. It'll be the, this time, eight or so hour marathon. All right, so women's basketball, let's start back on that topic here tonight. Uh, if you look in the USA South, it's always an interesting battle, one that um, honestly kind of makes me kind of shake my head because it's, it's less uh, understood and, and more confusing than it really needs to be sometimes. Um, what's really fascinating sometimes, though, is the teams that emerge, even though you're looking elsewhere. And we were looking at Greensboro for a little bit uh, this week in the East Region, East Division. We knew they were in a battle with Averett. We knew William Peace was, was lurking behind them. Another fascinating race was on the other side between Piedmont and Berea. If one, yeah, we'll go with Greensboro. Then you go back today after the results and go, oof, geez, now they're two games or really a game behind Averett. Missed that one. Well, it's because Averett got past him. And I think it proves that the USA South is a challenging conference this season. Joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline is the head coach of the uh, Greensboro Pride. Sorry, tap dancing there. I'm not even sure Coach hurt us. But joining us, yep, we did lose him. We'll try and get him right back. Apologize, folks. I hit the wrong button and we're going to do a quick redial and get him back. Um, again, this is a, a conference that, listen, it doesn't produce world beaters, but sometimes it produces some really good quality teams. And it's also huge. It makes things very difficult sometimes for conferences to figure out. So joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline Live, it is Coach Randy Tuggle. Coach, thanks for taking the time, and sorry for hanging up on you earlier. I thought I might have thought something wrong. <laughs> yeah, I did something stupid, clearly. Um, it, it happens. <laughs> I understand. I, I'm in coaching, so I understand. Yeah, okay. there, it's touche. Yeah, I'm in broadcasting. I said to somebody, there's no such thing as a perfect show, and we're already right out of the gate ruining the uh, perfection. Hey, well, at least we're talking now. Yeah, there you go. You didn't get to hear much of the intro, but what I had said was, you know, keeping track of the East and West, there's some fascinating races, Piedmont and Berea <laughs> with Huntington lurking and Maryville a little off their game. You but, guys and Avert were in a good battle, and then all of a sudden I went back and looked and went, oops, something's different here. Well, Avert tripped you guys up. But I felt yeah, it shows yeah. just how good this conference is flying a little bit under the radar. Yeah, I think so. I think it's, uh, like you said, uh, the only thing that hurts us is because of some of the schools that we have that aren't very good, to be honest with you. I mean, I'm not trying to put anybody down. I'm not going to say anything. Yeah, no, sure. No, yeah, absolutely. Our RPI gets killed. Yeah. And, you know, when I first uh, took over the head coaching job, uh, we had three teams at one time in it. Now, at that time, we had Christopher Newport in our conference. (laughs) That that helped. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And so, and it became, we had three teams and we have, you know, one automatic qualifier and two at large. I think, uh, 
if you look at the top of the brackets, we've got some good, good, like you said, we've got some really good teams that have each year, year in and year out, have done extremely well. What What is the secret at this point? Because you guys have a grind, and, and your schedule in the conference has changed a lot over the years because you have so many <laughs> yeah. teams. I went yeah. through and was a little surprised. Correct me if I'm not wrong, you're not even playing the other division. Is that correct? That's it. Yeah, yeah so it used got... to be you played double round robin, then it was a double round robin plus the other side. You played them once. Right. Now you're not even playing them. How do you keep up with all those changes? <clears throat> uh, that's a great question. <laughs> uh, they don't pay, they don't pay me enough to keep up with it. So I just whatever <laughs> just whoever we're flow. supposed to play. Yeah, whoever we're supposed to play, we go to the next one. We have we have um, eighteen teams in our conference. And yeah, it's not funny. We play, no, no. And the thing is, it's, you know, when we brought in uh, Maryville and Piedmont, and we first brought in four of them, it was Maryville, Piedmont, Huntington, and LaGrange. And that's when we got the four, I mean, the three bids. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, then we started, then all of a sudden, the Great South, I think, was the conference that they originally were in. Yeah, the Everybody GSAC, started yep. co- Yeah, they started coming in. Well, you know, they had an automatic bid. USA South or the Dixie, whatever at the time. You know, we were we had an at large. I mean, we had a automatic bid. Now we just have one, but yet we got eighteen teams. And like yeah. I said, it's it's we talked to them about it, but no, can't help you. You know, so it was kind of like okay, well that's really good because you got eighteen teams that used to take up two spots now only take up one well and that's the, the challenge there is you guys have gotten so big for what is only allowed to be one bid for the conference right um and and that's just the way it's written i mean the Mayak is huge the asc south is huge or the asc period is huge mm-hmm. and it's obviously problematic right. is there a solution here though it, it can can this be somehow resolved or and i realize i'm putting you on the spot here and you can go wherever you want with this or is there right. going to be an a, a legit there needs to be a legitimate split. Uh, I feel I don't think we will ever get any another bid. You know, I no, think you're we, not. We, that's yeah, that's clear. That, well, yeah, you might get so, at large, but you mean automatic bids, right? Right. Right. No, they're and not I coming. Think, yeah, I don't think. Uh, I think it will be a. I think it'll be a split, especially now uh, with basically two divisions. Right. You know, I somewhere I don't know. I mean it's nothing in the works that I that I know of that and I'm assistant athletic director too. Right. Uh that uh, we're gonna do this or we're gonna do that. There's not a plan, but I, I just don't see I just don't I don't know. Like I said, we got some that were uh you know, the all girls schools that now we've got a couple that have gone co ed. Right, I think that's going to help out. One about you know, I think you the mean big thing was enticing for, people to move around. Right. Well, plus you know, I think we when Christopher Newport moved out, when we brought in uh, uh, the four schools I told you about, right, they were going to have to go from where they are. It was like a ten-hour drive to go to Huntington. Right. You know, and it was kind of like we can't do that. You know, we can't do that. You know, we can't fly a football team all the way down there to play, you know? <laughs> sure. And so that's why they left. Well, then it took – I think it hurts our, our male side of the sports because, like, football is big. And we yeah. just got I, – I think it's just a matter of uh, hopefully working something out. But like I said, when we went from playing, you know, the other side, the only time we see them – 
is in the conference tournament. Yeah. So, you know, and it's kind of like, okay, that's not good. But like I said, you deal with what you can deal with. Um, it's above my pay grade, and uh, <laughs> I just work at what I got. <laughs> now, we'll talk sometime off air because uh, I'd be yeah. curious on what's, uh, what might be in the works down the road. But sure. your team alone, obviously the loss to Averett uh, stings a little bit. Yeah. I, I know that that game was one you guys probably felt you needed after you beat him 83-67. Yeah. Um, you came back in non-conference play today against Regent, non-division play against Regent, yeah. and won that one easily. Mm-hmm. Is yeah. is the Averett game gonna gonna hurt later, or do you think you can avenge that to some degree? You won't play them until the tournament, but can you right. can you maybe get them back? Are they vulnerable for a couple losses themselves? Uh, well, I think they got one more game. That I mean, as far as in the conference, uh, that. Yeah. Will be interesting for him to be able to see if we can do. Yeah, it hurt because we could have gone. If we'd have won, we would have been two games up on any everybody in our division. Yeah, you know, and with five games left, five conference games left, uh, we just uh, my team is not a team that likes to run plays. <laughs> they, <laughs> we have trouble running plays, so that's why we do a lot of, you know, pressure and getting the ball down the court quick. And it takes a lot of energy. And, uh, you know, the past week or two, I guess it's the, because of the season and because of what we're doing, we we came out so pathetic. Mm. And, um, like I said, it really hurt us. And we got down. I mean, we were down 12 at half. And then in the second half, the kids came out, played hard. We got back. Um, we had a chance to tie it. We missed two putbacks right at the, under the basket. Mm. That at least tied the game up, and uh, but yeah, it was it was kind of we went from like I said a two two game lead over everybody right. to now we're tied with uh, Averett, and so we've got to get somebody else's help to win it outright, or we better make sure darn sure that we uh, uh, you know win the games we got left, so at least we can be tied for first, and then the tiebreakers. I think we we might be up on them on that. Are you are are you worried? Your schedule includes a lot of non Division three teams: Regent twice, mm-hmm. Piedmont International twice, Mid Atlantic Christian twice. Mm-hmm. I feel you know, unfortunately, it feels like you put all your eggs on. By the way, uh, yeah, all, uh, all your eggs, unfortunately, into the AQ or no AQ scenario. Right. Does does that put some pressure now on the tournament a little bit? Oh, it definitely does because. Be honest with you, like I said, we've had a couple of good teams in the past two yeah. two years that uh, didn't get any qualifying. I mean, you know, you you we have right now because, like I said, the RPI. Right. Uh, we 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 have to win. I mean, we have to win the tournament. There's there's no ifs buts or maybes about it. But I mean, to some you know, degree, my, does that make it easier? Well, yeah. I mean, that way. Well, I mean, that's that's where you can focus. Right. You know. Because if you don't focus on that, then you're putting your hand, putting everything in somebody else's hand. You know, I got to hope that somebody on the board will vote for us, you know, for us to get into it as, you know, an at-large bid or something like that. So, and, you know, it, it, like I said, I, I think the bottom line is every year for the, for the past is we've, we've always looked that we got to win the conference tournament. You know, we don't even have to win the conference. We just got to win the conference tournament yeah, sure. to get in, you know. <laughs> yeah. So, um, Let's talk about your team a little bit. Katie Lewis leading the way, 13.5 points a game, um, nearly five rebounds as well. 
Uh, you mm-hmm. all hand out assists, so it's almost pointless to mention who the leading assist player is. But that's, yeah. by the way, uh, Daly. Yeah. Uh, I can't even say Katie Lewis, who we're talking about. Uh, I don't even know how to say Daly's first name. Uh, call her Shaw. Shaw? Good, I will. Uh, <laughs> she, she leads the team in assists. But second yeah. on the team in scoring at 12.5 points a game is Woods, and then you have Joseph and Best both at 9-plus points and 8-plus yeah. points from Free and Jeffries. So while you've only yeah. got two players in double figures, you go about six deep there of legitimate scoring right. threats for a team that averages 76 points a game. That's got to be a little bit of a of – a, um, I'm not even sure the right word I want to use, but it, it's got to make your life a little easier because you know you've got options if someone's not having right. the best of nights. Well, yeah, we don't have – a person that I can say, hey, I need 20 for me tonight. Right. But I've got I got seven or eight kids that could get me 20 points. <laughs> you, know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I, mean, I know what you're saying. We got some shooters tonight. We played, you know, we played a team. To be honest with you, they were, they were pretty decent. They, got, they just didn't have any depth. And that's what we've been working on all year long. If you look at the minutes played, we have 10 kids averaging yeah. double-digit minutes. Yep. Now, that hurts my top players in the conference because if you look yeah. at Katie's playing like 26 minutes and averaging 13. Well, if she was playing 35, 40 minutes, she'd probably be averaging 20. Easy. And that's what's happened is, you know, but I'm, I'm being dead serious when I say my team doesn't run plays very well. So <laughs> we push it, try to get some quick shot, looks from mismatches, and kind of get shots up. We shot, we as the game tonight, we shot 55% from the floor. Okay. Yeah. We shot um, uh, 41% from three. Uh, we've done that a number of times this year. We've shot over 50% in the game. And it's because if we had 26 assists tonight, 27 assists tonight, uh, it's because we make one more pass. Sure. And I don't have like, I mean, I, don't get me wrong. The other night when we were trying to, to win the game against Averett, you know, I had somebody I wanted to take the last shot. Sure. Okay. But didn't mean it worked out that team, way. Yeah, yeah. And then it, but it, then again, it's, <laughs> it's 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 like I had a kid tonight, uh, a freshman, Michelle Jeffries. She played, I think, like uh, sixteen minutes, fifteen minutes, at twenty-one points. Hmm. He can shoot the three, can shoot the, you know, can get to the hole, does a lot of different things. And, you know, so that's what's been successful for us. And the only problem is, like I said, when we started off with Averett, we have a tendency to get off to a little slow start sometimes. Okay. And we bury ourselves a little bit, and then it's an uphill battle. If you take the worst loss we had was uh, at the beginning of the year, we lost by six. Every other game that we've lost, it's either been four points or two points. Yep. You know, and it's one of those that, you know, that's why we talk about we got to get that rebound or that loose ball because you it will come back to haunt you. You've got five games left this season in the, before conference play. You'll, you'll finish mm-hmm. up February 9th, and four of them are at home. Right. Meredith, Salem, Methodist, and Mar- uh, Mary Baldwin, the fifth uh, mm-hmm. on the road, will be actually the second-to-last game against Pfeiffer. Pfeiffer, yeah. And obviously this probably is a, a, a dumb question to ask, but how important is home? How important is the Haynes Gymnasium? Well, if you look over our past since I've been there and as a head coach and then 
and as an assistant coach for my cousin Jason, uh, we don't lose too many games at home. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, it, we would have to play pretty bad. It's a great atmosphere. I mean, you can put 20 people in our gym, and if you put your hand, cover your eyes up, and they start hollering it, you'll think it's packed. So it's, it, it, it's, a, it's a great place to play. You know, when you walk into our gym and then go to, say, Christopher Newport and go to their gymnasium, stadium, it's like, wait a minute, is this a junior high, is this a junior high gym? Well, come on, our, our rim's the same, same height as Christopher Newport. There you go, you know? 10 feet, yeah, it's 94 feet long. Uh, yeah, that's right, you got it, man. We're, we, we play you know, we got kids when they're warming up from the other teams, they'll drop, they'll be dribbling the ball all of a sudden. There's a dead spot. And they'll call people over. And I said, look, watch this. And the ball doesn't bounce real high. <laughs> and I walk over and I said, you know, we play on the same court you guys are going to play. So it'll be dead for us, too. You know? Yeah, so, except you know how to get around it. <laughs> they don't. It, that's <laughs> it. That's it. <laughs> Your players know how to avoid it at all costs uh, and how to trap them into it if you can. Yeah. Yeah. No, it. I know. <laughs> Coach, so appreciate it. It's. Pre- yeah, I was going to say is obviously you want to be home if you can. Right. No doubt. No doubt about it. Um, I appreciate you coming on. Um, the USA South situation is fascinating um, to begin with, but your team certainly is fascinating to talk about. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how the season plays out. Um, okay. Good luck the rest of the way. We always have a tradition here on the show, though. We give the guests the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? Well, come see us play. It's a fun game to watch us play because we put up a bunch of shots and make the game a little more exciting than just walking the dadgum thing up. That's, I, I, I appreciate that more than you can ever imagine. I, I, <laughs> I, and a little pace doesn't, beat, doesn't bore anybody. No, you got it, buddy. Randy, thanks so much for taking the time. Uh, enjoy the rest of the season. We'll keep an eye on the pride, and, and we'll talk soon. All right, sounds good. Thank Absolutely. you. Randy Tuggle joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. Again, for their next five to finish up the season are at home. A little bit weird that they're finishing up February 9th, but this is where we start getting into some quirks. The NESCAC ends early. The USA South ends early. Some others do to start getting into conference tournament action. That includes there, as we mentioned, uh, the USA South Greensboro. Again, in a, in a nail-biter here with Averett, we've got official word that if they were to win out, they will have the tiebreaker over Averett. So things are still a little bit in their court. Um, but one little slip can obviously go the wrong direction. We'll take another break. When we come back, we'll keep up the women's basketball theme here. We'll talk to Staten Island's first-year head coach. They're not doing too shabby this season either. And she is doing pretty well. By the way, her alma mater playing pretty well. We'll talk to her coming up. You're listening to Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA NABC studios. More Hoopsville when we come back. Being a part of the different activities and organizations that I've been a part of, I'm actually able to see myself where I'm like, hey, I actually can make change. I'm one person that can make a difference. Division Three has helped me to develop teamwork skills, critical thinking skills, time management skills. It's not just about basketball or it's not just about school. It's about developing yourself as a person altogether. Welcome to the University of Wisconsin-Eau Claire, home of Blue Gold Athletics. UW-Eau Claire has been ranked a top five regional public university for over 20 years. We graduate champions with the lowest debt and highest return on investment in the Midwest. Blue Gold Athletics is a Director's Cup Top 20 Division III program offering 22 sports with almost 700 student-athletes. 
UW-Eau Claire is about excellence in the classroom, the field of competition, and the community. Are you the next Blue Gold? My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. I coined my definition of success in 1934. My definition of success is peace of mind attained only through self-satisfaction and knowing you made the effort to do the best of which you're capable. It's like reputation and character. Reputation is what others perceive you to be. Character is what you are. It's on us to stop sexual assault. In any way that we can. To get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim. It's on us. To stand up. To make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us to look out for each other at parties. It's on us. To be more than just a bystander. To step up and say something. It's on us, all of us. To, to stop, stop sexual assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody, here on this Sunday evening. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at D3Hoops.com, or join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Um, when we talk about women's basketball, uh, you can't ignore the uh, Atlantic region for a lot of reasons. Uh, one of them in particular is the fact that some decent basketball has come out of that region over the years, especially in the NJAC. But one team we've certainly had a lot to talk about over the years has been out of the CUNYAC, and it's been Staten Island. Of course, 20-win seasons, near 20-win seasons. Um, really, if you go 19 or more wins, they've had them four of their last five years, and they're marching towards another one after the turnaround from the 11-12 season. Um, at the same time, you also have to kind of read between the lines. They started the season on a three-game winning streak, lost two to Misericordia and Mount St. Mary. Of course, Misericordia showing that they're a pretty stout team this year, even though they took their first loss recently. They also play, played Wagner, so you kind of throw that one out, and then they lost to Hunter. Well, that shouldn't be too surprising because Hunter is the other team in the CUNYAC that they're battling for for uh, the conference title. Granted, Hunter is 11-9, so it just adds a ton of questions which is why we do this show. We try and get some of those questions answered. They've got five games left in the regular season, and they certainly would love to do a lot with that. So joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline is Nicole Sarcone, the head coach of the Dolphins of Staten Island. And just because of their mascot, we try and get them on the show. Nicole, thanks for taking the time to join us. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. We should point out, first-year head coach, you took over the program uh, just this offseason. Um, and, and you took on a team that we already knew was pretty good to begin with. Uh, Tim Shanahan had done a pretty good job after a couple of 21 seasons, so that had to be at least the easy part, as it were. Yeah, I mean, they definitely, you know, Staten Island basketball, I think, is something special, and um, we do have a lot of Staten Island natives on the roster, and um, they were very, very successful under Tim and um, I think we had a lot to work with on the roster, and and we're kind of showing that we did 
lose 80% of our scoring uh, yeah. with the graduation of some seniors. So that was definitely a concern, but definitely a lot of parts to work with. And um, I think it's, it's coming together nicely. We should point out you, you, you you're in the area. Um, you, you, High school career, I think, was in the area, if, I'm, if I remember yeah. correctly, at Notre Dame Academy. Um, you also recently coached there. And, of course, you went to SUNY New Paltz. New Paltz yeah. may not be directly in the area, but you haven't no. gone too far from home necessarily. So you knew this program to, to a larger degree. Yeah, I definitely knew uh, a little bit about the team and the program. You know, I, I, I know Tim for a while, and some of my former high school players, Christina Pastor, Megan McEwen, um, played at the College of Staten Island, so I definitely was following the program and, and watching some games and get to see what it's all about. I think it's pretty cool. You step in that gym and you see um, just all families, friends, uh, mm-hmm. former high school teammates, and it's a really awesome environment to be a part of. So uh, I knew knew what I was getting into, and I was excited for it. So Was that familiarity what attracted you to the job, That did the interest of taking over? Yeah, I mean, I've always had... Uh, I've always wanted to, to build a program, and, and I really do love Staten Island basketball, and um, it was just kind of the right opportunity at the right time, and it's definitely an attraction. Something I spoke about with some of the administration is the environment you get when you do step in that gym, and it's it's definitely something special, and I think we have Staten Island has a lot to offer and has a lot of talent and a lot of great basketball players, and um, definitely an attraction for, for this position. Curious, obviously some coaching experience in the high school ranks, uh, and mm-hmm. successfully, we should say, it did pretty well in, in in state playoffs and such. How much were you prepared thus to take over this job, and how much are you still kind of trying to get your wheels back on the track? <laughs> yeah, um, you know, a lot of it's, it's a popular question, and <laughs> I, I do say I do say a lot. You know, coaching to me, coaching is coaching, and I know sure. at different levels, it you know, it, it's there's different challenges and, and different things you face but um i've always since i've coached starting at the jv level i've treated all of my programs um as as a college level program i think it's only fair to the players uh, to hold them to the high standard. Uh, definitely i would say you know the basketball part um i'm loving it's it's again one and the same coaching at different levels but um definitely the administrative stuff and all the all the other things that come with it is something i'm still Still getting used to, but the <laughs> the the administration and uh, the other coaches in our department have been a huge help. They're unbelievable. So it's, it's an awesome atmosphere to work in, and that's it. Definitely helps to have them. Let's talk a little bit about your team. You're led by all four classes, for lack of a better description. Uh, <laughs> Megan McEwen, your sophomore, is your leading scorer. Diana Tadaro, who is a um, junior, is second on the team in scoring. Kayla Schmitter, who's a freshman, is third, and and. Uh, Jacqueline Callie, a senior, is fourth from 7.8 all the way up to McEwen's 14.8 points per yeah. game. You you got a lot of contributions from everybody, basically. Yeah, we do, and it's nice to have that. Um, like we said, we lost a lot of scoring with the graduation of some seniors last year, so it was definitely a concern. Um, I would say that a lot of our players on our roster had been more so role players in the teams they've played on, and especially last year with the College of Staten Island team. Um, so I was it, it was interesting to see who could step up, but it was also a clean slate for any single one of them to step up and step into that role of of being more of an impact player and less of a role player. And I think Meg has done an unbelievable job of that while running the point, which is no easy task. Yeah. And um, and Diana really has gone to work for us. Um, she's doing an unbelievable job. 
and um, Kayla Schmitter too. As a freshman, mm-hmm. she's she's making a lot of waves. She's very talented. She's very fundamentally sound. Um, we got to get her to have a little bit more uh, um, more more strength, more more of what Rosa Brown brings to the table. Um, and I think she'll be even better than she's already been for the start. Uh, I have a feeling that um, a freshman needing a little more oomph, and a, a little bit more uh, gusto or whatever you need is not a surprising <laughs> comment to say. I think all freshmen yeah. have to learn that this game's a little bit different than they anticipated. Yeah, yeah, and like I said, uh, I think I think it's a great thing that she's getting to play with post players like Rosa and Diana, and mm-hmm. uh, she learns from them in practice, and and she holds her own, and she's she's just she is very talented. I've seen a couple different coaches from programs around the recruiting circuit who have said, you know, they were looking at her too, and I can't take any credit for getting her at, at the College of Staten Island, but um, it's very nice to have her on our roster. She's a, a huge, huge asset. You're going eight, nine players deep every game. You've got players like Nicole and Bessie, who's second on the team, and and um, assists, who, who also puts up maybe not a ton of points, but you can tell by looking at the stats has a, a defensive mentality to some degree. She's second on the team in assists, second on the team in steals, second both to Megan uh, McEwen. But you go 8-9 deep, and, and that's got to be a benefit. You talked about losing all that scoring, but if you're willing to go nine players deep in almost every single game, you know you've got contributors who are able to step on the floor anyway. Yeah, uh, absolutely, and I think that is a huge part of our success this year. Um they do. Each of them can step up on any given day, and that's a, it's a nice comfort to have and to know. Um, we do have a little bit of trouble get, uh, getting into foul trouble, so um, we do go a little bit deep, um, a little bit earlier in games than we would like to, but um, they all step up and do what they have to do when they get on the floor, and, um, and Bessie really deserves a lot of credit because she she earned her role, and she, you know, any player on any other team that we play, she's, she's guarding the... the you know, best player on that team, the highest scorer, the most athletic player. Uh, she she gets that job done almost every game, and she's been doing a really good job, like you said, with the assists, getting down the lane, finding her teammates, and um, she just does a lot of the intangibles that don't show up on the stat sheet, and it's, she's kind of invaluable to to our success thus far. That helps a coach, no matter their yeah. first year yeah. or 15th or, or 40th year. Uh, you you yeah. love to have a player like that. Uh, the other thing you've had to adjust to is as much as you've been following Staten Island, you probably had to get a little bit used to the CUNYAC, uh to a larger degree and what you were going to expect in this conference. Hunter seems surprising. They're 11-9, and nine, yet they're tied with you guys atop the conference right now. What have you made of what has been the first uh, two-thirds, three-quarters of the conference season, and, and what have you made of teams like Hunter who've already tripped you up? Yeah, um, definitely getting to know the you know I didn't know much about the CUNYAC coming in, <laughs> um, but I, like like you said, you said it perfectly. I did follow Staten Island, but um, Hunter, I kind of knew. I know I know John Garrett a little bit, and I I, I knew they'd be a well coached and well prepared team. Um, I knew that they're just they're very talented, um, especially in the guard play, and um, they're they're veterans as well, and they they're well coached. They play hard. I knew Brooklyn would be definitely a challenge, and, and in our first matchup against them, it was. It came down to the wire. Um, so, you know, I think we have to there, – there are games we come out a little bit um, lacking energy a little bit, I guess, and we have to dig ourselves out of a hole, and that hurts sometimes. And against, you know, well-disciplined and yeah. well-coached teams like Brooklyn and Hunter, it's way harder to, to dig yourself out of that hole. So 
where we've been focusing on lately, um, trying to come out of the gate with the, the high energy that we need for the whole 40 minutes. Um, and it's definitely something we're, we've had trouble with, but we're working on. And I think with the remainder of the season, you know, that has to be something that happens every single game. We, there's, there's no room or time left to come out um, sleeping and, and have to dig ourselves out of a hole. We should so. point out three of your last five games are going to be on the road. It starts with York. Um, coming up, York of New York on the road, then home against Brooklyn, on the road against Hunter, home against Lehman, and then on the road against Baruch. York, you beat, we'll say, handily 28 points earlier in the season. I know that may not mean anything. Brooklyn was a tight battle. We know the result against Hunter. Lehman was an easy 40-point game, and Baruch was uh, middle of the pack, uh, about 21-point game. In other words, sorry, 29, you've got a, a wide range of games coming up. How do you keep everybody focused and not looking too far ahead? Yeah, um, you know what, to be honest, in our um, two games that we've had recent, recently against CCNY and John Jay, um, we, those are two of the games I was kind of speaking about just now where we came out sleeping a little bit. Nah. Um, and, and the teams really, you know, every team right now, it's conference play. It's, it's do or die. They're coming out to battle. Yeah. Um, everyone's fighting for those spots in the, in, in the conference uh, tournament, and we can't look past any any team. I think maybe we, some of our girls, might have been on that road, and we're trying to make. I think after those two games, they now very much know that we can't sleep on anybody. York gave us York gave us a game last time. Um, you know, they're very competitive and have a great freshman um, who who's leading probably probably leading one of the top in the nation in rebounds and blocks. Um, every team comes out to battle, so. To me, it doesn't matter who we're playing or what we've done with them last time. Um, it's a new day. It's a new game. And, and we have to play our game. And we have to be ready to, to, to go to battle because, um, you know, any given day. So uh, I think after those last two games, um, our girls are a little bit more understanding that we can't sleep on anybody. So. And, and realizing that, it makes the question here with that Hunter game being in the middle of this next five-game stretch, the third game yeah. out here. I know you're not looking past what's up next. I know the team isn't, but lurking is a really important game if you want to make yeah. sure that the CUNYAC is is being handled by you guys. Yep, yep, um, absolutely. And it, it's it's tough the way that the block is, but you know what? It is what it is. We we play Brooklyn and Hunter back to back both times around, so that's definitely difficult. Um, I think for us, it's more important to focus on. You know, we'll do our scouts and we'll make sure we know. What, what what makes the other team tick? But uh, I think right now we need to make sure we're we're doing well at what makes us tick, and sure. um, and and focusing on ourselves because if we get too far away from that, I think we lose we lose ourselves. And yeah. Um, honestly, yeah, no, Hunters is, is definitely lurking on my mind. Um, I think we need to do a little bit better of a job, um, really knowing. The yeah. personnel and understanding they killed us in transition last time. We lost yeah. their shooters in transition, and uh, they can shoot the ball. And that's something that we had talked about prior to the game, but we didn't execute. So um, definitely same thing with Brooklyn. They everybody they both have a lot of weapons, um, and we need to make sure we know their personnel going in. And every single player, 1 through 14, is ready and understands what yeah. their job is once they hit the floor. Before I let you go, so, I don't think I ever asked Tim this question. I'm curious. Just because of the way New York City is made up, how do you guys travel to games? How do we travel? Yeah, uh, but you are busing. Okay. Well, <laughs> yeah. I just know that some teams can can maybe consider taking the the subway. The bus yeah. is certainly an option, but you're going to get bogged down in traffic if it's just the wrong timing. So I was just kind of curious 
um, yeah. in which way you went. So I, that, just a random question to, to appease no, maybe okay. my little head. <laughs> we, uh, we do take the bus, and I've relied heavily on um, the other coaches um, with their help and what time we do need to depart, <laughs> depart from our campus because that, that traffic is uh, could, could be bad. So. Coach, nope. oh, 4 o'clock, yeah. you'll be fine, 4 o'clock. What do you mean you're not here on time? I, I told you two. <laughs> Yeah, I can yeah, see some yeah. gamesmanship in there, maybe. Uh, yeah. Coach, thanks so much for taking the time to join us. Really appreciate it. Uh, we have a tradition on this show. We always give the guest the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? Uh, well, first of all, thank you for having for having me on and, and hearing about our program. Um, I would just say I, I hope everybody watches our women's and our men's basketball program. Uh, I think you'll see a lot of special things going on. And um, our men's coach, TJ Tibbs, does an unbelievable job with his program as well. So I hope we make a mark um, and, and people know who we are off this island. Well said and well done sharing the love. Uh, congratulations. <laughs> I appreciate you taking the time. Good luck. We'll talk to you sometime down the road. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Nicole Sarcone joining us here from the Atlantic region and thus College of Staten Island Dolphins. Of course, CSI, we can have some fun with that. The Dolphins is always one of my favorite mascots, especially their logo. Outstanding. You saw it there on the graphic. Beautiful logo. Appreciate Nicole joining us. Again, five games left. This is another one of those conferences that kind of plays their tournament a little bit earlier than everybody else. On the road at York, home against Brooklyn on February 2nd, which is Super Bowl weekend. Then on the road against Hunter uh, midweek, at home against Lehman the following weekend, and then midweek against Baruch on the road. So an interesting finish there. We'll keep an eye on Staten Island and how the CUNYAC finishes. We're going to take another break. When we come back, we'll switch gears and go to men's basketball. And, of course, it's Sunday night. That means it's time for the NABC Coaches Corner. It's a little surprise when talking to our next guest to realize I had not had him in the Coaches Corner. That is a mistake on my part. It should have been a no-brainer. Gary Stewart from Stevenson joins us. Coming up next in the NABC Coaches Corner, you're listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA NABC Studios. More Hoopsville when we come back. We are the coaches of women's basketball. We are leaders and teachers, dreamers and winners. We are professionals who conduct ourselves ethically and with integrity. We place the education, safety, and well-being of the athletes we coach above all else and teach them the fundamental values they need to succeed in life. We are coaches united for the good of our game and those who play it. We are the WBCA. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. Big shots. Teamwork. This trophy is not given. It must be earned. The 2019 NCAA Division III Women's Basketball Championship, March 15th and 16th at the Krager Center in Salem. Bounces right back with a triple. Great job here. And that'll do it! Visit NCAA.com slash tickets and get your tickets today. It's on us. It's on all of us. And it's time to act now. It's on us to start the change. It's on us to be the change. It's on us. It's on Division Three. It's on all of us 
to stop sexual assault. Hoopsville. I'm Carol LaHaye, basketball coach at Randolph-Macon College and a member of the Women's Basketball Coaches Association. We hope you enjoy the show. And now back to Dave. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody here on this Sunday evening. A uh, little tease for you. Uh, top 25 voting information is already out to voters. Uh, I've got my pack right here already. I'll be voting pri primarily tonight, or at least doing the, the dirty businesses of trying to go through it all. I got this little note already, believe it or not, five voters have gotten their ballots in already. And here's the note I can tell you. You can tell people, Augustana and Nebraska Wesleyan are pretty evenly split so far. So to those of you wondering who's going to get first place votes, Nebraska Wesleyan, Augustana, maybe Whitman or Oshkosh, it's leaning towards Nebraska Wesleyan and Augustana. We'll talk more about that with Bob Quillman coming up a little later in the show. By the way, we're going into overtime tonight, warning you now uh, to all our loyal viewers. Uh, we'll, we'll talk more about it with Bob in our Top 25 double take, and we'll debate who should get that number one vote. I have a gut feeling Bob and I have very different opinions on that, but who knows? Maybe one of us will change our minds. Um, Let's switch gears. NABC Coaches Corner, uh, a segment we always have here on Sundays, thanks to the support of the National Association of Basketball Coaches, which has a, a rich Division Three history as well. A number of Division Three coaches uh, help run uh, things with the NABC, and I was a little surprised to find that the next guest was one who we've talked to often, but never in this opportunity to talk about that. Charlie Brock from Springfield leads the, uh, the NABC this year, the board as president, but one of the others who is high up in that chain of command, as it were, is Stevenson men's basketball coach Gary Stewart. You might know Gary and, and the work we've done with the Hoopsville Classic in the past. He's a, certainly a friend of the program, and like I said, can't believe we didn't have him in the coach's corner. So joining us now on the um, on the uh, Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline is aforementioned Gary Stewart. And, sir, thanks for taking the time to finally join us in the coach's corner. <laughs> Dave, how are you? I'm well, sir. How about yourself? Doing great. Thank you. Awesome. Um, first and foremost, we should let people know that the NABC is something that is really uh, close to your heart. It is something that, since I've known you, you have been very much involved in, even if you're not listed on something, per se. Where did that come from? We'll get to your 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 coaching you know tree as it were. But where did the 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 affection and the need to be involved with the NABC come from for you? Well, when I first got into coaching, um, I was fixated on my team and and trying to be as good as we possibly can be. And and um, as I got longer into the profession, I started to think about uh, the game and and. Uh, uh, had a little bit bigger uh, uh, thought process in relationship to uh, the impact that I might be able to have uh, in in supporting the game and uh, maybe doing something um, to, to to enhance or, or make the game better. And I was fortunate enough to uh, be exposed to some people that uh, 
uh, ran the NABC, and, and over the years um, they were able to, to kind of monitor, uh, uh, as they do all coaches in the country, uh, their involvement and, and their, their work and, and, um, and, and got selected uh, to be a member of the board. We'll talk about your um, involvement in the NABC a little bit more, but let's talk about your history. You're a Division three student athlete. You played at Laverne, then had the honor of of coaching that program. Of course, that's one of those for many is on the West Coast and not understood. Give us a little bit of a sense of what attracted you to Laverne and, and how you ended up becoming their head coach. Well, it was a terrific opportunity for me. Uh, Forty minutes from my uh, um, place of residence, I grew up in Pasadena, California, and and um, it was um, first and foremost a, a teacher's uh, college, and mm-hmm. and um, they had a legendary athletic director, a football coach by the name of Roland Ortmeyer, <laughs> and, um, and and there isn't a person that ever met him that wasn't captivated by him. Just an unbelievable human being, and and I sat down with him during a recruiting visit, and and uh, lo and behold, uh, a year later, I'm sitting in uh, his classroom and. And uh, I, I would often tell him that I was going to be the head coach of, of uh, the University of Laverne one day. And, and um, at 24, he was just crazy enough to, to hire me, and I, I became the youngest head coach at that time of a four-year university in, in the United States. That's impressive. Obviously, you went from there and, and took over. We're in the Skyac. I'm going to ask a really crazy question I should know the answer to, but, Gary, I just don't know. How was your timing at Laverne as head coach relate to Popovich's time in the Skyac as well? Were you around the same time? Was he well ahead of you? I can't remember the timing. So it was an interesting period there um, as a coach. Um, uh, at, at one time, when when Mike Dunlap, uh, the current head coach at Loyola Marymount, yeah. was uh, um, was in the NBA, uh, there were three people that were connected to that time period that were head coaches: uh, Greg Popovich, uh, Mike Budenholzer, who played for for Pop at Pomona Pitzer, and then Mike Dunlap. Um, so all those guys were there during uh, during my tenure, um, and then. Um, uh, Pop left, and, and Charlie uh, Katsikas came. Uh, but uh, terrific coaches. I mean, uh, uh, if you go back there, almost everybody was the all-time winningest coach in the history of their school. And uh, Brian Newhall still there. Uh, uh, Dave Jacobs mm-hmm. uh, uh, was at, at Whittier, and then replaced by his assistant, Rock Carter. And it was just a wonderful time. Tremendous, tremendous coaches, and, and a great way to kind of cut your teeth. Uh, in my personal opinion, you then lost your way. Um, you ended up at UC <laughs> Davis, who decided to go Division One. I, I kid because I can. Um, <laughs> and and you had that experience with D one, which I'm sure in emboldened that NABC um, side of things a little bit more. What attracted you to a come back to Division three and b switch sides of the country, sir? <laughs> Well, I, I think um, you know basketball is basketball, whether you're at Division Two, II, Division Three, or Division One. Then um, uh, the, the, the student athletes are as passionate about basketball at, at, at uh, the Division Three levels they are at the other levels. And, um, uh, but um, I long for the uh, relationship that I had with uh, uh, students and, and colleagues outside of basketball um, uh, that I was able to forge at Laverne. And, and um, I had such a wonderful experience as a student athlete, and then as a coach at, at Division Three. Um, in the back of my mind, I, I often thought that if I ever had an opportunity to 
uh, coach at that level again, I would jump at it. And uh, the opportunity here at Stevenson presented itself and very, very fortunate uh, to navigate through a terrific field of applicants. And I was able to, to, to get the job. And, and uh, I wasn't married to a geographical location. I was really open to the opportunity. And, and um, so if it were in the Midwest or if it were in the East or South, it, it, it didn't really matter to me. It, it was really about the institution and, and their uh, their mission and, and their uh, um, academic prowess and, and uh, the ability to uh, to build a good team. And uh, Stevenson offered all of that, and, and I jumped at the chance. We should point out, folks, a little behind-the-scenes uh, dirty secret on Gary. He still misses California, though, because he's got a, a serious heater in his office uh, to keep <laughs> himself warm, even on a 50-degree day. Um, it, well, on, <laughs> on fair disclosure day... Uh, <laughs> Uh, I, I think I own the only office that doesn't have heat. That's so, fair. That's uh, fair. They, they really wanted to say if this California guy was for real. So <laughs> <I think> this, <laughs> Wait, why, why ruin a good story by sticking to the truth, Gary? Uh, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the other thing, again, you stayed involved with the NABC, and what jumped out at me is I found fascinating is, you know, we talk about the All-Star Game in Division Three, and obviously it was modeled after the Division One version um, of that, what what shocked me when I got to know you was the you know obviously all the D three guys runs the, run the D three one. They don't have a D one guy running the the All Star game. At least they haven't until maybe recently. You're running somewhat the D one All Star game. A, how did you get lassoed into that? And B, where the heck are the D one coaches stepping up? <laughs> well, uh, a couple things there, Dave. One. Um, there's a lot of people that have their hand in yes, it. Yes, I, I do I've realize been, that. Yep, I've been fortunate to, to be involved in that and and have an intricate role. And, and uh, very fortunate that uh, Reggie Menton and Jim Haney and the NABC has trusted me in that position. Uh, I, I think I just kind of stumbled on it and <laughs> um, kind of ran with it. And one thing led to another, and and I've been involved in it for uh, about 20 years now. And and it's been a lot of fun, and, and uh, we've gone a lot of different ways with it. Uh, at one time, we uh, we had just one team and played the Harlem Globetrotters for a few years. And oh. and, uh, and then uh, we're back now to uh, having uh, uh, two teams and, and playing in uh, uh, the same facility that the national championship game for Division One is played in. So a uh, real neat experience. I've got a chance to work with uh, – a lot of really, really good people, and and uh, been exposed to a lot of uh, a lot of good things. Uh, I know your assistant coaches certainly love the fact that you uh, are involved because it gets them involved, and that's not a bad perk to have. Um, you're you're now on you're back on the board essentially to some degree um, with the NABC. You you have been a quiet I, I, prod might be the right term to get D one and others to focus on the fact that D three is important too. Um, and I know you're going to probably, you know, not speak a lot about it, but I'm curious, what is your push usually to other coaches? And I was shocked to find a coach the other day, Maryland's head coach, who didn't know a lot about Division Three until his son got involved. But what is your mission to try and let D1 coaches know more about Division Three, and, and what's the usual response? Well, uh, we're, we're fortunate that there's so many guys involved and have been involved with college basketball at various levels that got their start at Division One. Um, Jay Wright uh, that, that worked at Hobart. Um, 
he comes out. Phil Martelli was a student mm-hmm. athlete at Widener. Uh, and I can, I can go on and oh, on. Yeah. Bo Ryan at Platteville. And, and so um, there are a, a plethora of guys that have done wonderful work at the Division three level that have gone on to uh, uh, national prominence. And, and so it's, it's easy for us in some ways to point to those guys as a, a, a symbol of what we stand for um, in, in, um, in our ethics and in our approach to, to the collegiate game. And I don't think, uh, Dave, really it's just me uh, beating a drum. I think it's a collective effort. Um, once you see a division uh, three game and you see the, the passion, you see the intensity, you see the level of coaching, you see the talented student athletes, it's an easy sell. Uh, and and it's just just about exposing uh, people to the game. And and the more that we do that, um, it's pretty easy for them to um, see all the the values and all the things that we stand for. I I think you're right. Uh, We talk about Turgeon at at Maryland. I made a a little bit of a joke there. He didn't know much about Division III until his son, Will, who's now a Catholic as a freshman, got involved in being recruited by Division III. And, And from everything I can tell, he is now a huge fan of the division, granted, he's only halfway through his first season with his son. Uh, I'd, I'd love to teach him a little bit more if I ever got sat next to him. Um, are you still surprised though by how many coaches, maybe like Turgeon, aren't as familiar with Division Three? Even though their I know their roots don't come through D three, but are you still surprised considering all three divisions make up the NCAA? No, I think on the contrary, Dave. I think more and more coaches um, are aware. And have an understanding of Division Three than ever before. Yeah. I, I talk to coaches in the gym all the time, and and um, there are a lot of uh, coaches that uh, get into uh, uh, Division Three as a young assistant coach and and uh, uh, work their way back to Division One if they they were a manager there or student athlete there, and and um, are looking for opportunities to to try to get a head coaching job and um, they are, are now looking at all levels as opposed to just uh, division one. Um, and then quite frankly, a lot of those guys um, come to division three and, and you know, they're only going to be there for a couple years and uh, they end up liking it and they like the lifestyle. They like the student athletes that they coach. They believe in um, the institution that they're, they're at and they end up staying. Um, talking to Gary Stewart here, head coach of the Stevenson Mustangs, who are in the MAC Commonwealth. Uh, coach, I don't want to let you go without having a chance to at least talk about uh, you guys. Unfortunately, on a little bit of a slide here, three games. Uh, I know that's not ideal for you. And four of their last of the last six, you guys came out like gangbusters a little bit. Kind of surprised everybody. Tell us a little bit about the unit. What maybe you guys are struggling at, and what do you think you can do in the Commonwealth this season? Well, we were going pretty good. Dave. I think we were twelve and three at one point, and yeah. twelve and four. Yeah, and uh, and then we we had a, a situation over a two week period that we lost five guys uh, to injury, and and uh, so that uh, really changed um, um, what we were trying to do. We we were um, we were hanging our hat on our depth. And um, mm-hmm. and when that uh, the injuries eroded that and, and so that changed some things and and as you well know Dave the, the injuries uh, uh, have an opportunity to make you a better coach and and yet you got to figure that out you got to yeah. figure it out on the fly and and um, and we've done some things we've adjusted but but uh, we just haven't quite uh, 
got over the the hump there. We've played a couple of games where we've had uh, uh, two one possession losses yeah. uh, to note, and and uh, but but I'm proud of our guys. They're, they're they're hanging in there. They're fighting. They're getting back to being a little bit healthier, and and uh, I'm excited about what uh, what the future might bring here down the road. For the next six games to round out the season are going to be uh, on the road. Those are going to be tough enough. Are you going to be able to get some or all those guys back uh, to maybe give a last bit of a run here before Commonwealth tournament time? Yeah, we've gotten back who we uh, uh, who we can get back. Uh, there was a, <laughs> sure. There's a thought that that uh, we've lost uh, two to the uh, to uh, for the year, uh, but we did get uh, two back um, that we we were. Uh, rubbing the rabbit's foot to, to hang on there and uh, <laughs> and see if we could get some good news, and we did. Um, our our uh, athletic training department and, and specifically uh, Eva Martinez, our trainer, has been outstanding. Yeah. I mean, just they've been wonderful, and and uh, so she she and our doctors have worked diligently on our young people to get them back, and and um, and, and they've been aggressive, and our our kids have responded to that. So we we've gotten a couple back here in the last. Uh, uh, game or two, and and uh, we've got one more that uh, hopefully uh, we'll get back sometime uh, uh, this week or next week. Well, we'll look forward to seeing how the Mustangs maybe uh, gallop back into the uh, race here in the Commonwealth. Um, but we're running out of time, so before we do, we want to at least have a little fun at the end of the segment uh, of the NABC Coaches Corner. We always ask the same nine or so questions to the coach uh, to hear different answers from all the coaches we have in this segment over the years, if you don't mind. Uh, have a little fun with us. They don't have to be complicated questions or answers, I should say, but uh, a little bit off the top of your head type stuff. Okay. Uh, first one, kind of hit on it earlier, but best part of coaching, especially in Division Three. Uh, the student athletes. Uh, amazing, amazing opportunity to to uh, not only try to impact them, Dave, but uh, what they give you. You know, you sure. don't you don't set out for that to happen, but it's a byproduct of that relationship and. And I've been really, really blessed over the years to coach some extraordinary kids. What's your biggest pet peeve as a coach? Oh, that's a good one. Um, do the officials uh, follow the show, Dave? <laughs> uh, yes, they do. Uh, I found that out in the last few weeks. Uh, so I will warn you, but you're welcome to say what you need. <laughs> you don't have to name anybody if you don't want to. <laughs> I guess I should go back to question number one and say that uh, well, the best part of the game are the officials. The officials, without wonderful. <laughs> without, without question. Um, Dave, I, I guess um, it's all-inclusive. You know, I, I just I love the game. I love being part of it. And, and um, there really isn't anything that I can think of that really comes to my mind that, it's, uh, uh, you know, you'd like to have uh, uh, some more resources, I think, from sure. a national perspective that uh, – that um, you know, we'd like to get get some more money from the um, NCAA, but I don't think we're alone in that. Yeah, um, I think that's with all divisions. Yeah, certainly. Um, is there a rule or a nuance to the game that you just love? Uh, well, I, I've got a complex, David. This is a personal. <laughs> this is a personal one. But, okay, but um, I'm buckled uh, in. <laughs> so I'm the all-time. I'm the all-time leader in the history of Division Three, and three seconds called as a player, and, and so, so now they don't ever call it. And so, so I'm, I, and of course, uh, you know, 
the, everything that I ever did in, in Division Three as a player has been burned now, so there's really no evidence to go back and tell everybody I was only in there for 2.3 seconds. But but um, um, the game certainly has evolved that way. You know, it, it's a different game now, and yeah. Uh, and certainly officiated a little bit differently. Uh, this explains everything. I always wondered why you're always yelling about three seconds. Now I get it. Uh, <laughs> I totally understand this now. Um, what rule, and I think I know where this is headed to, any rule that you would like to see changed, removed, or added to the game? Well, the one, uh, the one rule that, that I uh, uh, am enjoying is, is the change, Dave. I know it's not necessarily answering the question, but right. going from – Going from uh, uh, the reset of the shot clock to 20 mm-hmm. seconds once the ball's in in in, uh, in the front court, and then um, having just uh, whatever that duration is on the clock to get that over the time um, mm-hmm. over the half court zone. I really like that. I think that's been a good change for the game. Um, um, I think the <laughs> and again the officials probably probably disagree when they work my game here, but the extension of the the extension of the coaching box has been a good thing. Oh, geez. Yeah. You, you, you enjoyed blocking my view uh, a few weeks. I I did. Yes. I I did. I I know you did it on purpose. (laughs) There's a couple coaches who have turned and smirked at me, uh, over the years. I know they're doing it on purpose. Um, what would your if I were to talk to your assistants, uh, and ask, uh, them about you, what would they want you to change as a coach? Uh, they would they would probably want us to be a little bit uh, more simplistic. Mm, okay, uh, you know, probably uh, put in one thing and stick to it. One, in, one, one out of bounds play, and, and that would be it. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, they they want to hold the reins back and sure. And uh, uh, so I think that I think that would be it. That and they would like you to stop asking the officials about three seconds. Um, exactly. <laughs> what can you say to an official that will will get you to get you close, but will not earn you a tech? Oh. You know, gets your point across, but doesn't. You know, draw goes right to the line. You're towing the line. Well, I, I, I tell you the uh, the other day. Uh, I, I won't name the game, but uh, <laughs> I went up to an official and they said that. Uh, and and I'll and he'll remain nameless as well. <laughs> but but I, I, I said to him, uh, I said you are a really good official and you have a horrifically bad day. <laughs> oh, I love the fin. I like the follow up because I've heard the other version before, but the follow up is priceless. Really good official having a horrific day. I, I would love to have looked seen the look on his face. Um, finally, uh, when you retire, it would have been interesting if he would have said, I feel the same way about the head coach. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if he can get away with that. That's great. Yeah. At least I would have felt pretty good about, about my coaching. Yeah. Well, true. <laughs> so, true. Not, ne- not necessarily for that game, but, uh, <laughs> overall, over tenure, I would have felt pretty good. Sure. Uh, finally, when you retire and all good coaches do, what do you hope people will remember you as a coach? Uh, that I, I did right by the student athlete that I, um, I gave him my all and, and, uh, was supportive and, and mentored students and cared about them, genuinely cared about them. And, and hopefully I, I was able to, uh, broaden their horizons on, uh, a myriad of different things and also, um, enlighten them and, and maybe have them critically think about some things that, 
that aided in the development of their life. Oh, well said. Uh, great answer. Coach, appreciate you taking the time. Uh, great to have you here in the NABC Coach's Corner. As always, we give the guests the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? Well, one uh, one quick thing, Dave. Uh, yeah. Thanks for having me. It's been been great. And I enjoyed visiting with you, as always. And um, the, the one thing I would say, just um, kind of a theme of the, the conversation in relationship to uh, Division Three and, and uh, how exciting basketball is, um, this is shaping up to be a wonderful, wonderful uh, yeah. uh, postseason. I mean, it, there, there are a plethora of teams that, uh, uh, depending on uh, seedings and where they're playing and who they're playing, um, they could get to Fort Wayne. And yeah. uh, so it's, it's going to be really, really exciting. So um, I, I would hope that we would get a few uh, new folks that are, are watching uh, the national scope uh, because it, it's going to be good, good, good tournament with outstanding coaches and, and terrific student athletes as always. Yeah, agree with you, and uh, looking yeah. forward to it myself. While at the same time, maybe pulling my hair out, uh, <laughs> but looking forward to it all the same. Gary, thanks so much for taking the time to join us here. Appreciate the time, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Dave. Absolutely, Gary Stewart joining us here on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline, part of the NABC Coaches. Corner. Of course, all interviews on the Hoopsville Hotline are courtesy of our partners at Blue Frame Technology and their industry-leading production truck software. Is your college ready to showcase its teams who are reliable and innovative video streaming service that won't break your budget? Blue Frame's advanced digital broadcast tools will help make your broadcast to the next level. Learn more today at visiting www.blueframetech.com. That's www.blueframetech.com. I'm certainly a fan of Blue Frame Technology. Glad to have them on board with us here at Hoopsville and look forward to growing that partnership in the near future. We're running a little bit behind, so we're going to get going here. Coming next, we'll jump up to the Northeast, stick with men's basketball. We'll talk to Gordon men's basketball. Todd Murphy joins us to talk about his uh, squad and just how good they really are this season in what is a fascinating Triple C Battle. You're listening to Hoops Hope presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA NABC studios. More Hoops when we come back. I learned a lot of valuable lessons playing college football. I never thought about the health benefits of exercise until I actually started to talk to coaches in college. It's not only just for performance, it's for life. My coaches instilled the importance of well-being, not only building up strength, mental health, getting enough sleep, eating properly, it's all what it is to be healthy. I decided that I want to go on a personal trainer and share my knowledge that I obtained in college about physical and mental well-being. UW-Eau Claire and Mayo Clinic Health System are creating amazing opportunities for students from across the Midwest. Our collaborative research agreement allows students to work with world-renowned physicians and scientists. And with more than 80 majors, UW-Eau Claire is the perfect fit for those who dream big and are ready to change the world. I used to never really talk, ever. Uh, I was afraid if I say something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. It helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. 
This is your time. Now go out there and take it. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that College Basketball built. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying this show on Sunday. If you're interacting, want to interact with us, don't forget you can join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Hoopsville, where we're live simulcasting the show. You can also uh, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or use the hashtag Hoopsville, or join us in the chat rooms either on that Facebook Live simulcast via Periscope. You can reply. You can also do it on our YouTube page or several who do that. Of course, you can email us. We've changed the email temporarily because for some reason the Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com one doesn't seem to be working for everybody. So Dave.McHugh at D3Sports.com. Um, use that smartly, uh, and we will try and answer some of your questions. We were talking about the Nebraska Wesleyan, uh, Augustana, Top Whitman, whoever vote scenario for who will get first place. Six ballots are in, and now three teams are getting first place votes, Nebraska Wesleyan, Augustana, and Whitman. I told you, it's not as cut and dry as it looks. Uh, nothing against Oshkosh. Um, I, I suspect they'll get some votes too, but you know we'll see how this all plays out. But it's going to be interesting, and don't forget Bob Quillman joining us a little bit later in the program to give his take on things as well. Let's jump up into the Northeast region. As as we do on Sundays, we talk Northeast, Atlantic, uh, South, and Central regions primarily. Um, and in the Northeast, if you're not watching the race in the Commonwealth Coast Conference, you're, you're missing something. It's been a fascinating uh, race, a little bit of a, of a doozy. Uh, at 17-2 and two and 9-1 in the conference, the team that is uh, battling Nichols for that first place is Gordon. Um, they have a win over Nichols, though, unfortunately, they also have a loss to Western New England. Uh, they've got Nichols coming up later in the season, but they've got a little bit of a run to get through before they can get there. Gordon has been one of those programs that has just been lurking. Last year, remember, 18-9, and 13-5 and in the conference. They haven't had tremendous records, but you can go back to 2013 and remember they went 21-7. and They're in a conference that sometimes just doesn't get a lot of attention, well, we're getting attention now, and joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline is the head coach of the Fighting Scots. Apparently our graphic not working. We'll get it going here in a minute. It is Todd Murphy. And, Coach, thanks for taking the time to join us. Well, it's absolutely my pleasure, Dave. This is an opportunity that hasn't come along, so uh, it's a great opportunity, and I appreciate it. Well, like I said, we appreciate you taking the time. That's the, the most uh, opportune. Yeah, I saw um, something earlier today that kind of reminded me, for some whatever darn reason, we haven't gotten you guys on this show. Um, forgive us. We'll start there. Uh, first off. Uh, but second of all, you you guys have had an interesting season. You started off with a win over an easy win over Emerson, got tripped up against Ramapo uh, in a neutral site game, got back onto the win streak, and I think you just kind of fell under everybody's radar for a while there, played a bunch of New England teams, arguably no one that jumps off at anybody. But then you got past Nichols, and then all of a sudden, boom, Gordon's on everybody's spotlight. What's the season been like from your point of view? Um, well, you know, it's been an interesting one for sure. Uh, I know that, uh, you know, we haven't played necessarily the toughest schedule uh, 
you know, this season. But at the same time, you know, we did add Colby a, a NESCAC school. I yeah. know they're they're kind of mid level, but um, and we played Salem State every single year. And you know, this year, unfortunately, they're a little bit down. Um, even though they still might win their conference, um, you know, Emerson has beaten a couple of very good teams this year. Uh, Johnson and Wales is a little bit down, but you know, to be honest with you, this is a little bit stronger schedule than we've had in the past. Um, but you know, interestingly enough, we've never had a great non-league record, and, and uh, I take myself to blame for that because I, I'm always telling my guys, you know, we're a mid-major conference. We're not going to make the NCAA tournament as an at-large team. So I want to be peaking at the end of the year, you know, sure. in middle of February, late February, and see if we can make a run at the the conference uh, tournament championship. So, so that's always been our goal, and I don't get overly concerned about the early losses as long as we're trying to get better every single day. Certainly makes some sense, especially for a lot of Division three schools. Um, you got to have to make your argument near the end of the season versus the entire length of the season. So it makes sense to me. The win over Nichols obviously was huge. Uh, you guys got them 76-72 at their place, which I think was the most important part of this. Um, we'll talk about what's coming up next, but I, it begs the question, then what happened against Western New England? <laughs> <laughs> I wish I knew, Dave. I'll tell you <laughs> okay. what. Um, we have had trouble at Western New England since I've been here at Gordon. Um, they beat us by 19 at their place last year, and, and I don't know what the deal is and why our guys don't fire out against them like they did against Nichols and, and Endicott. But, um, you know, it, it was a good wake-up call, though. I think uh, we realized that, you know, if we don't come to play every single night, in particular on the road, that, you know, we could take a beating. So, um, you know, hopefully it humbled us and, and made us think uh, about how much harder we still need to work for the rest of the season. Yeah, it certainly is uh, one to quote-unquote humble. It, what's interesting is you've gotten lost kind of top 25 attention as a result of that. Uh, I'll admit I, I was voting for you guys at one point, then kind of dropped that decision. I realize that the top 25 get, notoriety helps you guys in the sense of, hey, yeah, we do exist, or, you know, hey, it's great for our team to get that kind of recognition. But I hear this from coaches, and I'm kind of curious your take. Did it really mean anything to you? Um, to me personally, not even a little bit. Yeah. Um, you know, I think it's nice for our school and I think it's really great for our players, uh, to get that sort of recognition when right. we're, we're playing at a, a pretty high level. Um, but for me, I, I've got a lot higher priorities <laughs> than, than trying to crack the top 25. So, and, um, and that's why I asked that. I had this feeling that some, sometimes, fans make more of a deal of it or others do than the team does. Absolutely. And, and you know, uh, I, I'm going to be honest with you, Dave. I, I don't know whether this is a, a good thing or not, but I really don't even pay attention to the the conference records. I, I know that we've beaten everyone in the conference and we've only lost one game, so that means we can't be any worse than tied for first. But <laughs> I have no idea of who exactly is around us. Obviously, I would guess Nichols probably hasn't lost any other games, but you know, Endicott, Roger Williams, they're very good. So I, I just don't care because as long as I said we're, we're improving every single day, we're getting better, the wins and losses, they'll put us into the position in the conference. I've never seen a, a, a team that finished second in the conference get seated fourth in the conference tournament. So, you know, we're going to finish where we finish, and we're going to have to 
win three games to get to the NCAA tournament anyway. So, so do you, it just doesn't matter. Yeah, we should point out you're a half game back of Nichols. You're two or you're a game and a half up on Roger Williams, and you're three up on Endicott. Do you, so in that case, do you not discuss it with the team? Like, listen, guys, we need to get X, Y, and Z accomplished because we want to have a home game or we want to stay in the second hole or in the one hole or whatever the case may be. Or is it just not a conversation in the locker room? It's not a conversation at all. You okay. know, I, I've never, ever had a uh, what we would call as a must-win game. Uh, the only absolutes that we have in our locker room are you must play hard, you must play unselfishly, um, and you must have a great attitude. And, and, you know, if we do those things, the scoreboard will take care of itself. I put the onus of winning on myself and my assistant coach because we've got to go out and find talented players, and then we have to develop those players. So, um, you know, I, I don't know too many players that go into a game looking to try and miss a jump shot or miss a box out and, and that sort of thing. But if we do everything to try and just do our very best each and every night to get better each and every day, um, the wins and losses will take care of themselves. And, and so, no, we never even look at the standings. Uh, let's talk about your team real quick because they certainly are the ones that have gotten us into this conversation. You're led by Eric Demers at 20-plus points a game. Uh, you've got Garrison Duvivier. 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 Yep. See, that sounded yep. so much nicer than my effort. Double-double uh, <laughs> average at 17 points a game, nearly 13 rebounds a game. He also is a team-high 3.6 assists a game. Um, and then another guy in double figures is Noah I'm going to let you go for it. Yeah, Salaji. Oh, that's so much easier than it's spelled. Salaji. Yes. Uh, yeah. And then you've got the, the all-name team here, Coach. Uh, Parker <laughs> Olmslar at 9.9 and, and Jake Haar at 9.5. Obviously, that core group of five, who, by the way, are also your starting five for every single game this season, is, is, your, is your click. It, it's the group that obviously makes the heart go for this team. There's certainly other players who contribute. You go deep on your bench, but it's that five, obviously, that determines how the Fighting Scots are going to play every night. Absolutely. Um, you know, and Eric and Garrison have been our top two guys for the last four years. Eric did miss one year with an injury, but um, they're very unique Division three players because they're, you know, so talented. Um, Eric is a very talented scorer who, who's actually given up quite a bit this year because I've got him playing point guard. Um, and, and then Garrison might be the most intelligent basketball player I've ever coached. So, you know, and I, I think that's pointed out by his three-point, leading us in assists at 3.6. Yeah. Um, you know, I think he's also leading the conference in block shots, and he's only 6'6". Six, six. Um, he's also in the top 10, I believe, in steals. So, wow. you know, he, he's a unique, uh, individual and a wonderful player, and um, but then you know you can't win ball games with just two players. You know right. Noah's done a great job and shooting at an unbelievable clip so far, and uh, you know our big six eleven sophomores been playing very well. Parker and to be honest with you, Jake Har uh, has, has struggled this year. You know yeah. two years ago he led the country in three point shooting. Oh right, and and, and this year he's only around thirty three or thirty four. So. If he ever gets that shot back, we're going to be a very dangerous team late in the season. You're also a good free-throw shooting team. Demers is over 82%. Uh, Noah's at 94%. Har uh, is at 91%. Um, David Ma Massillon, who plays a lot of games, is at 89%. Yeah, you don't have everybody who's perfect, but you average out about 72%. So you're going to hurt teams in a lot of different places. 
Yes, we are. And, and, you know, to be honest with you, one of the things that's kind of helped us this year, I went to a zone defense because Parker is 6'11", and Garrison is 6'6", and a little bit, you know, not the most athletic guy. And in order to be able to put both of those guys on the court at the same time, we went to a zone. And I thought it was an advantage to be able to have those five guys on, but the one thing I didn't really think about is we're not fouling nearly as much as we've done in the past. And we're actually outscoring opponents by, I want to say, close to 10 points a game at the free throw line. Wow. So, you know, I think that's been a huge uh, contributing factor to our success this year. But, you know, we do knock down free throws, in particular our, our shooters, um, Garrison and Parker, who are our big men. You know, they shoot them at a you know, mid-60s clip, I think, so not too embarrassing. But uh, uh, free throws have played a big part in our success this year. Um, before we let you go, I wanted to talk a little bit about your background. We just had Gary Stewart on from McDaniel or McDaniel, geez, Stevenson. I'm getting all my schools that I've worked with confused. Uh, from Stevenson, <laughs> he played at UC um, um, Davis or coached at uh-huh. UC Davis. He had played at Laverne and coached at Laverne. We should point yep. out you played at UC Irvine, um, ended up uh, having a little bit of a pro career, uh, if if no one paid attention, uh, in the NBA, playing with the Clippers, the Rockets, the Pistons. Um, you also got into coaching uh, quite a bit, um, including at UC Irvine. My first question is, did you get lost somehow in New England and just found yourself at Gordon? Uh, <laughs> and second of all, you know, we asked Gary the same thing. He flipped coach uh, uh, sides of the coasts as well. And But the follow-up with that would then be, what have you learned from that D1 and professional career that you are able to utilize or adjust in the Division Three world? Well, um, to answer your first question, no, I didn't get lost. Um, <laughs> Although, uh, to be honest with you, I just wanted to be a head coach. And the job opening at Gordon was very late because Mike Schauer had gotten the job at Wheaton. And and so it opened up pretty late. And I just threw my name in for the heck of it. To be honest with you, didn't know the first thing about Gordon. Uh, They called me back and said, hey, you're one of the eight that we want to interview on the phone. I said, well, I better do a little homework and figure out what school I just applied to. Um, (laughs) Smart, smart. Oh, yeah. And, and, you know, to be honest with you, I did know it was a Christian college, and that was very important to me. um, So, you know, I don't want to sound too corny, but I certainly feel like God played a big part in my uh, move across the country. And then having a a wonderful, loving wife and three kids who didn't know any better, you know, we made the move to New England. But, um, you know, with regards to my background, to be honest with you, I think it hurt me a little bit early on because... My expectations, you know, I didn't understand at the Division three level why guys didn't want to live in the gym and didn't want to, you know, do everything possible to win a game and that sort of thing. And I inherited a great team, but, you know, I, I think my expectations were almost a little bit too high. So I, I've, you know, kind of brought them back to what a Division three looks like, uh, in particular to a, a good academic school like Gordon a Christian school where, you know, the priority is hopefully on God as well, um, that, you know, and they're paying their own way. So their studies are extremely important. Mm -hmm. You know, we're not getting a whole lot of redshirt candidates because they want to get out of here in four (laughs) years because they're paying the bills. Right. (laughs) um, But it certainly has helped me, I think, mostly in my preparation for games because at the D1 level and at the professional level, you watch so much film and, and 
um, you know, you're, you're having to, to scout opponents. And, you know, I think my assistant coaches and I have done a pretty good job of preparing our teams for games, um, you know, and, and, you know, trying to figure out, it's almost like a chess game where you try to figure out strategies of how to limit one kid and, and try to force them to beat you in a way that they don't ordinarily beat teams. And it's, it's, I love that sort of competitiveness about it, and I am very, very competitive. So, <laughs> um, you know, I do pass that along to my team, I, I think, uh, as much as possible. Uh, by the way, I skipped over the fact you played for the Timberwolves as well uh, in 89, winning the Defensive Player of the Year award and leading the NBA in fewest turnovers per minute. I skipped right over that one. Um, Coach, appreciate taking the time. I, I would love to have a f- bigger conversation with you sometime down the road, and we'll find a way to do it. Um, but I appreciate the time you took this evening. As always, we give the guests the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those maybe tuning in? <laughs> well, I wish I had known you were going to say that because I have no <laughs> idea. I've got nothing prepared. It's all good. But, but, Dave, I do appreciate this opportunity. And, and you know, uh, to be able to give Gordon even the slightest little bit of uh, recognition, I, I think it's wonderful. I, I think, uh, um, you know, we've been pretty successful here over my 10 years here. And, um, and this is a fun season, and getting to compete against Nichols and, and the teams Endicott and those teams in our conference, it's just a great opportunity. So uh, I'm happy that you uh, gave me this opportunity tonight. Well, I appreciate you coming on and helping us do it. Uh, good luck the rest of the season. We'll look forward to having you on the show another time. That sounds great, Dave. Thank you so much. You too. Take care. Todd Murphy joining us on the uh, Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. Uh, fascinating background. we got a few of those. Emerson also has a similar background in, in coaching at a higher level and coming down to Division Three. but appreciate Todd coming on the show. Can't believe we haven't had him on the show earlier. By the way, former SID of his joke that they used to drive him nuts by posting the uh, standings uh, in the, conf- in the uh, offices uh, just as a little play. That's pretty funny. Uh, they've got six games up ahead. They're home against Wentworth coming up um, Wednesday. Then they're on the road at Roger Williams next weekend. Curry, Salve, Virginia, Nichols, and Endicott to come. Nichols and Endicott, those last two, will be the biggest games we'll watch. We'll keep an eye on the 17-2 and two Fighting Scots. We're going to take another break. When we come back, we'll jump out to Chicagoland. And joining us will be Chicago men's basketball coach Mike McGrath. You're listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC studios. More Hoopsville when we get back. Football has taught me a lot throughout my life. It's definitely had a huge imprint on who I am as a person. Competing at a Division III level created that opportunity for me to go to college. Not only was I the first one in my family to graduate college, but I was really the first one to even go. Being the first one, I'm breaking that cycle, and, and now that I've graduated, I'm not sure what's the next step, but I know I have a lot of doors open. And a lot of those are open because I played football and ran track here at Otterbein. who are Division III student-athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics, and in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, 
We are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. I'm a Division III student athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a Division III student athlete, and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division III. We are the coaches of women's basketball. We are leaders and teachers, dreamers and winners. We are professionals who conduct ourselves ethically and with integrity. We place the education, safety, and well-being of the athletes we coach above all else and teach them the fundamental values they need to succeed in life. We are coaches united for the good of our game and those who play it. We are the WBCA. Welcome back to Hoopsville. I'm Amy Reed, head coach at RIT and a member of the Women's Basketball Coaches Association. We hope you enjoy the show. Now back to Dave. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody, here on this Sunday evening. If you've got questions for us, we're going to be running a little bit into overtime. Uh, make sure you tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com, or join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. We're also streaming on Periscope. I know you can fire back questions to us that way as well. We'll do our best to stay in touch with your questions and answer them the best way we can. Uh, Dan asked about a, a Hoopsville fundraiser. You know, we haven't actually gotten one going, Dan, but we may do it before the marathon show, which is coming up on Thursday. Uh, that marathon show, though, a little truncated. We're going to do about eight hours this year instead of 12, starting at about 12 o'clock Eastern time, though. Stay tuned early next, well, really on Monday for more information about all of that. Um, all right, so we haven't really talked about the UAA a lot this season, and, and there's a mixture of reasons we haven't. Um, one, because there hasn't Rochester has stood out. Emory has had its moments. Chicago certainly has. Uh, but it's also been a crazy race, <laughs> to be blunt. Uh, there is a three-way race right now at first place. Emory, Wash U, Wash U, and Chicago at fifth, at five and two, all in the conference with Rochester and Brandeis right behind them at four and three. It has been crazy. The UAA always is crazy. It's about darn time we talked a little bit more about it. And so, joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline is the head coach of the Maroons of U Chicago. It is our good friend Mike McGrath and coach. Thanks for taking the time as always. My pleasure, David. Hope you're well. Uh, I'm doing well. Uh, thanks for, for, for joining us. I, I know it wasn't the best of weekends for you guys. You, you, you kind of had a big bang to start conference play with wins over WashU, Rochester, and Emory on back-to-back -back weekends. But the UAA is the UAA. And, and last week, a loss to Brandeis before a win against NYU. This week, a loss to Case Western before a reserve, before a, a win against Carnegie Mellon. That feels very UAA-ish. It doesn't really matter who, how good or bad a team is. Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a really good league. And, you know, it's funny. People talk all the time about, you know, winning on the road on Sundays in our league and how the, the noon games on Sundays is a challenge. Mm -hmm. and, you know, every game's a challenge. We, <laughs> we lost two on Fridays and, you know, one in a, in a great overtime battle and, and a game on this Friday that went down to one possession against a, a Case team that's, you know, taught... It, Every night, it, anything can happen, and um, it's an interesting year in the league, David. Not just in terms of the the caliber of the competition, but you know we've got three new head coaches in the league this yeah. year, and that's thro that's thrown a new wrench into things, um, and really made it a little more interesting than even most years, I think. Sure, uh, that I think you and I talked a little bit in the off season, just kind of in passing. 
uh, you rose the totem pole, rose on the totem pole very quickly <laughs> into more of a senior level in in terms of tenure. Uh, because yeah, you had you had retirement at WashU, retirement at NYU, uh, an unfortunate change at Brandeis, but yeah, it kind of shook up the conference a lot. Yeah, it was. This is my twentieth year as a head coach in the UAA, and when I took from the time I took over in nineteen ninety nine until this year, we had a grand total of five coaching changes in the league, <laughs> um, and then this year we had three alone. Um, they're great jobs. They're great places. We, we, we can all have a lot of success in our schools and they're destination type places. And that's the way they've always been treated. And, uh, you know, so this year is, as you're looking at Brandeis and you're looking at, um, NYU and as you're looking at WashU, it, it, it was different preparing in those, for those teams and, and new coaches came in and had a lot of enthusiasm and they're doing some great things at those places. And, um, I think that's made it even more interesting. And, and Todd's relatively new there at Case. I think this is his third year. Right. So uh, that you know, and he's brought in some of his own players and guys who fit the way he wants to play. And um, you know, I think that transition combined with just really good basketball has made it kind of a, a a very interesting first half of the UAA race. What's uh, what's also probably interesting too is you, to some degree, got very used to what coaches are doing in your league. And now you're kind of having to adjust to maybe not not knowing, but just not really positive what they're going to be doing to you. Well, very much so. I mean, I you know preparing for Wash, you know we we play Wash U the first game of the year, so it's it's the one week where we don't have two games, right? And and it's over break, so we tend to have a lot of time to get ready. And you know preparing for Mark's teams for 27 years, <laughs> I've been in Chicago, and then Pat this year, it was like you know, getting ready to play football versus getting ready to play soccer. I mean, it couldn't have been any more different. And, um, and, and it was fun. And, and you know, I, I joked, I, I finally think I figured out how to guard Mark's offense and he left. Um, <laughs> but um, it, he would have changed it and made it harder on me. Sure. But, uh, but you know how it is. I mean, it, it, and that, and it's, it's, it's challenging to kind of figure out, you know, not just what people are doing, but kind of what they're, how they're wired and, you know, I think people, I had a pretty good idea of, of you know, Mark and Joe and Brian and, and how they wanted their teams to play and mm-hmm. what they wanted to go to and, and what their strengths were. And because that affects the flow of, of preparation and things like that, too. And that's been a big change this year. Sure. Um, nobody's jumping out in this conference. Uh, Rochester, I think, maybe was flying a little high after a pretty solid season last year. Emory and Henry, I think a lot of people are trying to figure out. Obviously, we knew the coaching changes at three of the other schools. Nothing against Case Western Reserve and Carnegie Mellon, but they haven't been at the top of the conversation too much recently. And then it was you guys. It, I just felt this year that it was hard to pin down the UAA, and now there's a three-horse race for first place. I feel I'm even more confused. Um, is this what you guys expected? Did you expect it to be this competitive? Well, it's always competitive, but I mean this much of a jumble? Very much so. Very okay. much so. I, I I, I think Wash, um, you know, Wash has some some very good talent. They have some. Uh, they lost a lot of experience last year, but we knew they had some pieces kind of in the in the pipeline um, and some very good players. Um, I felt like, you know, as I saw them early in non-conference games, each game I, I felt like they were getting better. I think that I felt like they were getting a feel for Pat and how he wanted to play and what they mm. were doing and. I, and I think they're going to continue to keep getting better. Um, Emory has a, an incredible amount of young talent. Um, they have some very, very good players. They play a very unique style. 
but they too lost four guys who were pretty yeah. significant um, leaders and, 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 and contributors and uh, on some very good teams. And, and when you when you have two teams who have that kind of transition, you never know how that's going to impact things. Luke does an unbelievably good job at Rochester, and um, they're very efficient and great at what they run and how they do things. And um, they have a very, very experienced team. And, um, you know, you knew kind of they were going to be in the mix. And then, you know, it, I, I really like the team that, that Tony has coming back. They didn't play well today, but they, they and they were injured early um, at Carnegie Mellon. And then, you know, seeing how Todd's kind of slowly brought things along into mm-hmm. the way he wants to do things. I mean, yeah, and, and, and then obviously not knowing what was going to be the situation at NYU or Brandeis, but knowing they had some pieces there. I'm not surprised at all. Um, I'm a little disappointed after the start we had that we don't have a little bit more of a cushion. Sure. But uh, we're pretty happy where we're at. I was going to say, you, you took on, you know, the three heavyweights there to start and, and got three wins. You're kind of in the catbird seat to some degree. Um, last question about the conference, and well, I'm going to dive into your team. Brandeis, uh, having a pretty decent season. Uh, I get the sense that maybe the, the conference and, and coaches and such are probably pretty thrilled with how that has come about after coming out of what was pretty dark times in the offseason. Yeah, I, I really don't know a whole lot about what the offseason was. Uh, sure. You know, s- stuff that's written and stuff that's said. You know, I never. Right. You're you're in the media. I'm I'm in the basketball world. We all we <laughs> never know what to make of any of that. But, but you know, Brian did a really good job. They were a hard team to play. They were a hard team to play, and they had good players. And I felt last year, Brandeis had some young freshmen, who, when I watched Brandeis last year, I said, those are the guys. Those are the kind of guys that that they had a lot of success with over the years. Um, and so, I, and they had some good, solid upperclassmen, some good players, and you know, um, I didn't know Gene at all. I'd met yeah. him a couple times, and so you knew there were some pieces there, maybe even more so than had been the past couple of years there. And you know, if they rallied around each other and rallied around a new coach, there was no doubt that they were going to be dangerous. Watching them play, watch preparing for them, couldn't be more impressed with the job that he's doing, and. Uh, and the way he's got those guys playing and kind of pulling for each other and the spirit that they have going there. And, you know, sometimes out of, out of down moments come some really, some really big highs. And, um, that, that's, I think that's part of it also. Um, you know, and I should add, and and you know, this, and we talk about this all the time and the coaches in the league, you know, with, with such a huge turnover, we, we, you know, the five of us that are returning, I don't think could be any more excited than, you know, having Pat and having Gene and having Bacon in the league, you know, sure. it, it, with, with the way our league operates, it's really important that we have a collegial relationship with our fellow head coaches and that we have a certain kind of atmosphere. And, um, you know, Mark Edwards and Mike Neer and Pat Cunningham and Joe Neshi and Bill Sudek and Tony for a long time, guys like that set that tone. And, mm-hmm. and we want to continue that guys like Jason and I, and, and Luke and some of the guys who are, you know, can now moving into a little more tender time in the league. We wanted to sustain that. And we're really excited about, you know, having those guys in the league. And, you know, at some point you kind of hope they would all hire a bad coach, but I knew that wasn't going to happen. <laughs> um, sure. So we got, we got, we, we got really good guys. And that's, uh, 
it's going to make the league fun. Yeah, definitely camaraderie in the UAA that that comes with the nature of the conference, and it is. It, you're right. It's some fascinating hires, uh, to say the least. Uh, let's talk about your team. Uh, what jumps out yeah. at me about them is you've got four seniors on this team, but they're not necessarily statistically the leaders on this squad. Uh, Noah Karras is third on the team in scoring as one of those seniors, but it's underclassmen in Jordan Baum and Dominic uh, Lavier and and Cole Schmidt that are. The, three of the four leading scorers, you, you've got a nice mix, and we talked about it earlier in the show, of, of not only that leadership, but some of that youthful drive, as it were. Well, I mean, when you talk about scoring leaders and you talk about leaders, you're talking about two different right. things. Um, you know, we have one of the great things about our team this year, and they've been so fun to coach. They just, you know, our, every year we ask our team and our leaders to kind of pick a word that they want to think about throughout the year and they kind of want to have as a theme. And this year, seniors chose the word resilient. Mm -hmm. And it's really been prominent in our group this year. You know, we've bounced back and uh, during games, after games, from the first half to the second half, um, the guys have kept battling. They've really been fun to coach. And, um, you know, from a statistical standpoint, you look at a guy like Ryan Jacobson, you look at Max Jacobs, um, they don't score. Right. Maybe the same way as some other guys do, but they have their talents that they bring to the team, and they're they're clearly leaders. Um, you know, Noah knocks in some shots for us, but he's also doing what Ryan and Max do as a leader. And and Justin Jackson's really had a tough year. I mean, he I think he was kind of ready, and we've seen flashes this year where he was kind of ready to kind of have a breakout year. Mm-hmm. And he's had three different injuries this year: he had a concussion, he had a sprained ankle, had a sprained foot, and you know, it's it, it just not. He, he had a big game today. You know, in a short period of time, mm-hmm. Carnegie scored scored some points, but um, he would probably be more like putting up some of the, the points the way Dom and and Cole are had, had he not had some of the injuries that he's had. But it's a great senior class. It's a great group of guys. They, along with Jordan, who started last year as our point guard, you know, bring some great leadership characteristics to the table. And and the other guys have just kind of followed along and just worked really hard. Well, um, another thing that jumps out at me is you're always going eight deep. You tend to go nine deep, and in two-thirds of your game, you're going 10, 11 guys deep. You're, you've got a lot of abilities and, and, and doors you can open and close and, and little levers you can pull and push and whatever you need to do to make this team sing a little bit. That can be beneficial when you get a little further into the season. Yeah, I'm still waiting for that. We, I mean, we've had, as you mentioned, 11 different guys probably really make significant contributions to help yeah. us win games. Um, you know, making plays during the course of the game to help us win games at different times. And uh, some of that has been matchups. Some of that has been injuries. Some of those times when we're 8-9 and nine versus 10-11, it's because a guy's been down for a game. Um, you know, I, I'm still – what has me most excited about this group, they've been so much fun to coach so far, but what has me most excited about this group is I, we've been successful to the extent that we've been successful this year because we've had different guys step up and make plays at different times. And, you know, if we can ever really get firing on all cylinders, um, I think we have another level we can get to. Uh, your last, the last real challenge you're going to have to face this season is the fact that now we turn into the second half of the UAA schedule and you're going to amazingly have to do it on the road. Your next four are on the road. Case Western Reserve, Carnegie Mellon, Rochester, Emory. You're home against Brandeis, NYU, and then on the road against Wash U. Uh, it's a bit about keeping the guys fresh and focused, I assume. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a grind. Um, you know, the, 
the travel is so much fun and it's so enjoyable mm-hmm. and the guys have such a special experience. But, you know, we, we had three new assistants helping out this year and they came back from the first trip and they were like, whoa, <laughs> that takes a lot out of you. Um, and, oh, it does, and it does. Um, and we, we had... We had a nice schedule to start, but we also, I feel like, did a pretty good job against that schedule. Yeah, you did. Um, you know, when you when you open up at home against kind of the three favorites in the league and you get all of them, um, you feel pretty good about it. The road is going to be challenging. And it's funny, I think I think Q is, is coming on later, and I, I always laugh at the Titan Q formula of, like, winning all your games at home and then how many you win on the road. And he, He's always got this one-up, one-down kind of metric. And I've, I've always kind of looked at I've kind of looked at it over the years because it makes a lot of sense. And then I find out most of the time the team that wins our league doesn't really follow that metric. <laughs> um, you know, the, the teams that win leagues typically have one thing in common, and that's they win games. Yeah. And, you know, we've got three, you know, we, we've got five. We've won five of the first seven and three of them against, you know, the other teams that have been really in the mix. And we, the other team that's really in the mix, Brandeis, we dropped on the road in overtime. I mean, you know, we feel pretty good about what we've done. You know, they were at home, but we've got wins against those teams. And, you know, I joke about it. Like, worst-case scenario, we own the tiebreaker right now with anybody that we beat out of that group. True. So, <laughs> true. That's true. Let's see, what ha- let's see what happens right now. I mean, it's, you know, it, it, it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm excited about coaching this group through a really a seventh-game conference tournament. Yeah. And, you know, we'll see what happens. Well, I appreciate the time. I can tell you're excited. Uh, it's fun to chat with you as always. Real quick before we let you go, though, obviously the Final Four heading off to Fort Wayne, you're so heavily involved with that. Uh, though I, I've gathered, too, you're looking forward to that that experience as well this season. Yeah, I, you know, the Fort Wayne change and working on the All-Star game. You know, I, for the 20 years I've been as head coach, I've gone down to Salem and, you know, Pat Cunningham got me starting to do that and Bill Fenlon and Jim Shaw and that that group of friends of mine that had gone down there for so many years. And, you know, we're going to miss Kerry Harvey Cutter and we're going to miss the people of Salem, but at the same time, change is good. Yeah. And there's Fort Wayne, you know, Fort Wayne's done a great job with everything that we, that we've been associated with. Um, you know, we went and visited the facility in the spring and the people there are excited. Um, the arena's terrific. Um, you know, change is a good, change can be a positive thing. And I expect it to be in this situation. Um, and, you know, as, as the people who work on the All-Star game and work around the championship a little bit, um, we're excited to, to kind of collaborate with the NCA and the people of Fort Wayne and the NABC and, and see if the championship can't kind of reach a new, uh, a new level. I, I, I think we're going to – one of the things I'm really excited about is I think we're going to attract some people just out of curiosity – who haven't been before because mm-hmm. it might just be a little, it might just be a little bit easier. And, um, you know, if, if hopefully they have as great an experience as I had the first time I went down to Salem and they want to keep coming back. Yeah. Well said. Well, I look forward to seeing you in, uh, geez, what about six weeks time or something like that? Uh, I can't it's believe it. Fly. Yeah, you're right. It totally is. Uh, but I appreciate the time as always. Give the coach the final word, any final thoughts for those who may be tuning in. No, I think, you know, for the people who are fans of Division Three basketball, it'll be a great six weeks here coming up to the end of the year. And, uh, it, I, you know, I've seen some of the better teams in the country, and I think there's, there's some really good basketball teams out there. And I think we're, we're in the, both in the UAA and, and across the country. It's going to be a lot of fun here over the last several weeks, and I think we're setting up for a really amazing national championship and tournament. 
Well said. We'll look forward to talking to you down the road. Take care of yourself. Safe travels on this uh, UAA schedule, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for all you do, David. I appreciate it. Thank you, sir. Take care. Mike McGrath Bye-bye. joining us from U Chicago on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. For some reason, that graphic not popping up today either. Uh, apparently, the more graphics I make, the less it likes to work. <laughs> anyway, we're still on the air. That's all that matters tonight. Uh, thanks, for Coach, for taking the time to join us. We're going to take a break. We're into overtime. we got to get going here because we don't want to go too far tonight. But we still have the top 25 double take and... Mike mentioned Titan Q. Bob Quillman will join us here in a moment. I know he's been tuned in. We'll talk to him uh, about that. He's filling in for Ryan tonight. We'll talk about a debatable team, and we'll buy and sell some teams as well. You're listening to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com. From the WBCA and ABC Studios, back with more when we get back. Being a part of the different activities and organizations that I've been a part of, I'm actually able to see myself where I'm like, hey, I actually can make a change. I'm one person that can make a difference. Division three has helped me to develop teamwork skills, critical thinking skills, time management skills. It's not just about basketball or it's not just about school. It's about developing yourself as a person altogether. Welcome to the University of Wisconsin-Eau Claire, home of Blue Gold Athletics. UW-Eau Claire has been ranked a top five regional public university for over 20 years. We graduate champions with the lowest debt and highest return on investment in the Midwest. Blue Gold Athletics is a Director's Cup Top 20 Division III program offering 22 sports with almost 700 student-athletes. UW-Eau Claire is about excellence in the classroom, the field of competition, and the community. Are you the next Blue Gold? My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. I coined my definition of success in 1934. My definition of success is peace of mind attained only through self-satisfaction and knowing you made the effort to do the best of which you're capable. It's like reputation and character. Reputation is what others perceive you to be. Character is what you are. It's on us to stop sexual assault. In any way that we can. To get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim. It's on us. To stand up. To make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us to look out for each other at parties. It's on us. To be more than just a bystander. To step up and say something. It's on us, all of us. To, to stop, stop sexual assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. On this Sunday evening, we are into overtime because smart guy here went and booked one extra guest tonight without paying attention to what he was doing. But we've had some wonderful guests, and I appreciate you tuning in. If you got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Hoopsville, um, where a guy named LeBron James apparently is on our Twitter or our, our uh, YouTube, but I'm pretty sure it's, it's, it's not. Um, LeBron James. Um, you can email us also, Dave.McHugh at D3Sports. 
Dave.com. Dave.McHugh at D3Sports.com. The Hoopsville one, I think, is acting up, so we're just going to try that. All right, so Ryan Scott most weeks has joined us for a top 25 double take on Sundays. Bob Quillman has joined us on occasion as well. Ryan unavailable tonight. Bob filling in for him. We'll get to him in a moment. We're going to talk about who the number one team in the country maybe should be or who who one can vote for. We'll also buy and sell some teams and see what else we can talk about here this evening. There's one question from our mysterious uh, person who, who gives us all the fun inf- uh, questions and such that I, I might throw Bob's way. We'll see. But joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline via Skype is the aforementioned Bob Quillman. And, sir, as always, it is good to see you. It's great to see you, Dave. It's good to be here on Hoopsville as always. Thank you for taking the time. Um, and we got a little quirk. Skip, uh, skip tutorial. I don't know why that's popping up on my screen. This is pretty um, big to be following Coach McGrath. Yeah, right? you're, so you're, you're fifth. It's quite in reference to you, sir, he was paying attention to what you're doing. Uh, that That's either good or bad. I'm not sure how you're going to take that. First, but in this case, the varsity game was first, and I'm the JV, so I'm just happy to be following Coach McGrath. What an you're, honor. You're, you're following a heck of a list tonight, actually, if you think <laughs> about it. Uh, there was uh, Gary Stewart earlier, Todd Murphy earlier. You've got Mike, who was on earlier. You, you, you've got a bit of a heavy lifting and, and expectations here. I'm ready. I'm ready to try to fulfill, Dave. <laughs> Good luck, and I wish you luck. Um, all right, so let's start with debatable. It's obvious because the number one team in the country, Nebraska Wesleyan, uh, lost to, to um, uh, Loris. I have said on this show, I've said on my blog, I expected no one to go undefeated this season. This does not surprise me in the slightest any way, shape, or form. That all said. If you look, we now have four teams with one loss. Nebraska Wesleyan, Augustana, Whitman, and Oshkosh. Ironically, the first two both lost to Loris. You're a top 25 voter. I'm a top 25 voter. I kind of already know where you're headed with this. But is is it a debate, and what kind of debate is it on who you're going to choose for, for that number one ballot when you turn it in? It's a huge debate. You, you could make a case for, I believe, four teams. You could make a strong case for four teams. Now, I will tell you that I, I voted – two hours ago because I didn't want to come on Hoopsville and you to play some Jedi mind tricks on me. And then all of a sudden I'm doubting myself. I voted, I hit submit and I voted uh, for Augustana as the number one team in the country. I have Nebraska Wesleyan two, I have Oshkosh three and I have Whitman four. Um, there is a strong case to be made here for Nebraska Wesleyan just staying right where they are. You could also you could also start to argue for Oshkosh and Whitman, but but I think for many reasons I think Augustana is is just slightly ahead of the rest of the field. And we should point out now that we know Bob's one of those who got his vote in. I have not. Um, I have too much to do here before before that happens. Six votes are in. Last I was told, and there are votes for Nebraska Wesleyan, Augustana, and Whitman so far. That's not in any way to try and influence any voters out there. That's just the the, the situation. I have a little bit of a precedent that I can stand on here. And ironically, it's with Augustana. Because a few years ago, Augustana was my number one vote. They lost in a CCIW game, which was less than surprising to me. And I left them as my number one vote. So it's a little bit ironic here. I am, unless something really changes here, I'm very confident that I'm going to keep Nebraska Wesley in my number one because, gosh darn it, first off, I expected them to lose this season. I expected them to lose in conference, and Loris was pretty much the team near the beginning of the season I figured was going to do it. 
Yeah, this is, look, this is going to be like election night, like watching <laughs> votes come in in Florida or Ohio <laughs> or something. This is going to be close. Yeah. I think it, it, it's impossible here to win a debate because if oh, you see, you're leaving Nebraska West because they lost on the road in a game that they were within three with two minutes left or whatever that was. Uh, absolutely. You can make an amazing yeah. case. And they're the defending national champion. I'm more now at this point, you know, I was waiting. I was feeling like eyeball test, like like Augustana was the best team. And I was waiting for that that Nebraska Wesleyan game at Loris because you have common opponent, common location. And once that, that result played out, to me it was just like, okay, I'm okay to make the change to the team that I feel eyeball-wise is the best. I've watched these teams play, granted not in person. But I just think that Augustana is a little bit better than Nebraska Wesleyan. If you say Nebraska Wesleyan, uh, I'm not going to win that debate. And, and and certainly, I'm. There's no way I think we can come up with who absolutely should be number one. And and there's no way, I think that's a, a fair argument to make because again, I think Oshkosh is probably going to have some some votes. I have a feeling we you know Whitman's already got at least one. Uh, I think those are they're going to have some legitimate claims themselves. But let me just. For devil's advocate's sake, because you're you're voting for Augustan, let me let me ask, and I and I kind of know where the answer is going, so I feel like I'm teeing this one up for you, sir, or right nicely on a tee ball. They've had close games. Elmer's nearly tripped them up. Uh, Wheaton nearly tripped them up. Carthage nearly tripped them up in the last two weeks. Do you feel? And I'm more curious. Do you feel confident that Augustana is the top team in the country with those close? results versus Nebraska Wesleyan, who for the most part has been in control of most of their games. It's a very fair point. You know, and look, the way I look at it, like or Augustana found a way to win those games. You know, they, they, against Carthage, Nolan Ebel goes coast to coast in five seconds and scores against Elmhurst. They find a way to kind of grind that thing out with some free throws down the stretch. Um, every time they've been in a game, they find a way to win. And that is more than anything, Dave, the reason that that I've changed my vote because I keep watching them. Now, look, I'm rooting for Illinois Wesleyan here. So when Illinois Wesleyan was in the conference contention race, which they're, they're not now, I'm rooting against Augustana. Let's just put the cards on the table. <laughs> so I'm like, come on, Carthage, can we do this? Elmhurst, can we make a free throw? So I'm just incredibly impressed with Augustana and their uh, resiliency, to use the University of Chicago's theme for the year. <laughs> they always find a way to get it done. They have veteran leadership. They have experience, which Nebraska Wesleyan does too. And, uh, you know, more than anything, to me, I hang my hat on their defense. Their uh, opponents, I think, are, are, are uh, scoring at a rate of like 39%-ish. Nebraska Wesleyan with their zone is very good defensively too. But to me, Augustana, the thing is, even if they have a little bit of an off night offensively, and they're great offensively, yeah. they can lock you down for 40 minutes and I just think they're the most complete team this year. I think they have no, literally zero holes. That's a that's a great point. Uh, I agree with you. I I I play the close games kind of like a double edged sword. I sometimes put a lot of stock in them, going, "Geez, they find a way to win," but at the same time, I start going, "Yeah, and they also find ways to nearly blow that." Uh, so I I don't know where I sit. I think it depends sometimes on the team. I'm going to ask you this. I, I I think it's about time we start talking about it. There's five games left in the regular season. Three of them are going to be in Rock Island. North Central on the road's next. Then you got North Park, then Wheaton at home, and Milliken at home, those three. 
then on the road at Carthage. It's not easy, but could they? Could yes. they go undefeated in this conference? Yeah, so I've been saying this since they were like 3-0 and in the league. Yeah. No one at Augustan is willing to say this out loud. No. no if this was an Illinois Wesleyan thing, but could you're saying, could they go 16 and 0? Could they do it for the first time since 1970, whatever? Yeah. 45 years completed and no one's gone undefeated in the CCIW. That includes five North park national championships, one Illinois Wesleyan national championship, lots of Illinois Wesleyan final fours and other great teams. Um, Carthage had a final four team, North central did Augustana. Yeah. Um, no one has gone undefeated. Could they? Yes. Will they? Yes. The only thing that could stop them is this crazy Aston Francis dude. <laughs> That's the only thing that will yep. stop Augustan because they ain't losing to Naperville. So, that, or actually, did they play already in Naperville? They already yeah. played in Naperville. Yeah, they, they're not losing to North Central and Rock. Oh no, Island. I'm sorry, they're going to North Central. I okay. apologize. That's they, the next game. They're at North Central next game. That could be a little bit of a of a close game. Okay, fine. They're not going to lose. Aston Francis scoring 49 points is the only thing between Augustana and 16 and 0. I'm telling you, Dave, that is the only thing. I, I'm with you. I think at North Central, I think it's the curveball. There's something about the Cardinals that just works for them. I can't explain it. Um, North Park's been weird. I'm not saying that they're going to lose there. Just North Park's been weird. Um, by the way, last time North Central North lost Park, a game, Augustana, I will drive to your house, Dave, and take you out to the most expensive dinner in your town if North Park beats Augustana. I will do that immediately. I already have three restaurants on my mind. Uh, <laughs> North Central's last loss, by the way, was to Augustana at the beginning of January. Um, then they've got that Wheaton game, and that one, you're right, Ashton Francis is the, is, is the challenge here. Milliken and Carthage, nothing against them, but if they get past Wheaton, put the champagne on ice. Uh, it, it's it, wow. And by the way, Gray's already been on the show. He says, I don't care about the undefeated thing. It's winning the conference five years in a row. No one's done that before. We had Chris Martin, the conference commissioner on the show. That's the same thing he said. It's not about winning, going undefeated. It's about winning five conference titles in a row. That would be the more, if they it, did it, it's not outed until you do it. And then you, you print the t-shirts that say 16 and 0. Yeah. So let's see how it is when they do it. Yes. How about that? It'd be fascinating. Um, all right, so let's talk about some buy or sells. I don't think we've gotten any questions so far, which is totally fine. We don't we don't need them. Um, let's see here. Uh, Ryan Scott says Francis scores sixty two. Augie still wins. <laughs> yeah, that absolutely could happen. Like he absolutely. could score. He could score all of Wheaton's points except for one guy makes a free throw, and Augustana could win that game. Absolutely, <laughs> you're absolutely right. Um, all right, so let's do some buy or sells. They're all over the country. I've only barely seen this list from our uh, our supplier, let's call him, um, my buyer. Um, Bob has not heard any of these, so we're going to go random. Um, we're not getting to all of them, though there's some good ones in here. Um, I'm going to start in the NESCAC, sir. I think we've talked about this team in the past, but we're going to bring them back up. Hamilton, they're 16-2, and 3-2 and two in the NESCAC. Preseason pick to make a Final Four run, according to our person here. Is it time to Buy low on Hamilton or sell them off before they drop further in the NESCAC standings. They're a very good team. I've watched Hamilton twice now, and they're a very good team. They're not They're not as good as what their current top 25 ranking is, in my opinion. I think if you look at their, their strength of schedule, it is not good. And I think they're more of a, uh, you know, maybe a bottom third of the top 25 team where things are very even. So I think good team that in this year um, – 
if you build a, a an east northeast kind of quadrant and nor and Hamilton ends up in uh, Fort Wayne, that wouldn't surprise me at all. Yeah. But I don't think they're a top. I don't think they're like a top ten team. I'm with you. I've got them in my top ten because they've risen there, but that's lost this week. The Colby's going to easily give me a reason to move half a dozen teams ahead of them, if not more. They still got a game to make up against Amherst. They've got to play a non-conference against Wells, Bates, Tufts, Middlebury, Williams. In other words, they got the toughest part of this NESCAC sure. coming up. If they get through that, I will eat my words. They are going to be proven. But I'm I'm with you. I'm I'm willing to to sell them a little bit right now because I don't think they can get through this NESCAC. But I'm with you. Doesn't mean the right scenario can't present itself and Hamilton get through that. Uh, I like how you think. Um, let's jump to this one. UW Stevens point. Um, they are 13 and five, five and three in the WIAC. We could also double this down with Platteville at 12 and seven, five and three in the WIAC. We, we knew the conference was going to be a beast but it, it feels like maybe it's eaten up Stevens Point a little bit more than, than many who expected. And granted, they've won the last two against Stout and Eau Claire, but they got Lacrosse, River Falls, Whitewater in the next three, Oshkosh, Stout, Platteville to finish. I, are, Stevens Point, you, you buying in that they can maybe get this in the right direction, or are you, are you willing to sell them off at this point? I, I'm buying. I mean, if you look at their, their season, Dave, I mean, it's pretty amazing, the schedule they've yeah. played. Their losses – at Augustana in overtime, at St. Thomas. St. Thomas looks like they may be a top six or seven team right now right. at the moment. That was at St. Thomas. Uh, versus Oshkosh, who may be, what, number three or four? Yep, yep. And uh, versus Lacrosse, who probably deserves to be ranked. Agreed. Now, the, the only head-scratcher to me is the fact they lost to Lacrosse at home and they lost to Platteville at home. Yeah. So uh, back I'm not to sure. back, by the way. Yeah, I'm not sure what to make, but I, I I'm going to say this is that you know that's a team that you do not want on the other side of your bracket on that Monday when when the the pairings come out. If you're whoever and you see Wisconsin Stevens Point as some kind of low seed, that is a bad day for you. And I am buying uh, the pointers at this point. The only thing I'll say, and, and, and I'm kind of leaning your ways, the only thing I'll say now is a lot of their wins now don't look all all that great. The St. Olaf win is sure. kind of a throwaway. The the Hope win now is nothing to talk about. Illinois Wesleyan win really isn't worth talking about. Whitewater win right now is is kind of muddied. Uh, it, what we can talk about are their losses. You know, that's what's weird is their big games are now Augustana, St. Thomas, Oshkosh, Lacrosse, and they've lost all of them. That well, the would, is look at look at their road. So their games left at Lacrosse, at Whitewater, Oshkosh, and at Platteville. So we'll know soon enough. Like this isn't yeah. going to be a lot of drama here. They're either going to get it together, or they're not going to be a Pool C candidate. I believe they're going to get it together. Yeah, and I'm gonna and and for the reason you just brought up, it was funny because I was starting to buy, but the fact that they've got to go to Lacrosse in their next game on Wednesday, they got to go to Whitewater in a week and a half, to Oshkosh in two weeks. Uh, and and just for argument's sake, because Platteville beat them, they got to go to Platteville to finish the season. I'm starting to get. I'm on the sell side. I, now I might that, still have them in my top 25, but I'm I'm a little bit sellish with them right now. And that would be the ultimate indicator of how good the the Wisconsin league is, because if at the end of this, if that's not an NCAA tournament team, that would really show you that you know kind of the the disadvantage, if you will, of playing in a league that's that strong, because they are. They're one of the top 20 teams in the country. I can promise you that. They're I, just going to 
lose a bunch of games. I'd agree. We knew the Wyack was going to eat itself a little bit. We felt the teams would rise to the top, but you're you're exactly right. We're showing that maybe it's too difficult. Not that you can change that, but it might be too difficult. Big Ten, a lot of people are saying, is the same thing in, in D1. Hey, here's an interesting one I'm going to buy and sell on. Out of the ODAC, Guilford. Uh, 15 and five, but nine and two in the conference. They've only lost one game since December came in existence, uh, or we turned the calendar to December. Uh, their four previous losses were all in November when they jammed in seven games. Uh, they have beaten Randolph Macon uh, at home. Granted, they have beaten or they've lost to Roanoke. That's the only kind of blemish we can't figure out right now. Um, they've got it. Interesting finish. You got Hamden Sydney, which isn't worth talking about. They got Roanoke uh, at at Roanoke, Bridgewater at on the road, Emory and Henry at home, and Washington and Lee uh, also at home. And WNL is an interesting team. I don't know what to make with them. The note here: here to stay, or were they they hit a hiccup? Well, again, I think the big thing is their road the rest of the way. They don't they don't play uh, Lynchburg. Right. As you point out, they don't right. play Randolph Macon. They're done with both of those. Yeah, they beat Lynchburg, we should point out, on the road 88 82 in overtime. Yeah. So, I mean, I think you got to say that you're you're buying on them at yeah. this point with where they are in the conference standings. They're in great shape. The ODAC has kind of come back this year with Randolph Macon, Lynchburg, and uh, those two teams have been on the radar all season long. And now Guilford. So, the ODAC, it seems like, was down for a few years. And uh, looks like it is back, but I think I'm I'm going to buy on Guilford. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm buying a bit here. They've 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 impressed me in ODAC play, and the ODAC I think is just as tough as it's been in years. Randolph Macon has shown to be a gem of a team, and yeah. they beat them. Um, they beat Lynchburg, who's shown to be a great team this year, and Roanoke's kind of seems to be getting the wheels back, uh, and they lost to them. So yeah, I, I'm I'm willing to buy into Guilford right now, and I do like that last five. But the conference tournament's going to be a beast. Um, real going to curveball here, you. Uh, LaRoche out of the AMCC, 17-2, and 12-0 in the conference. They play Penn State Baron on Wednesday. LaRoche won the last meeting 74-64. LaRoche is one of those teams we don't talk a lot about because a lot of people, we, 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 you just don't get excited when we talk AMCC. But LaRoche seems to be maybe putting something together here. Yeah, so surprisingly, this was a curveball, but like of all the fates that align, like I watched them play a game the last, I guess it was two weeks. Look at you. And, and you know what? Um, they're pretty darn good. Like yeah. this, this is a, this is one of those seasons where that's the kind of team that could end up in the elite eight, like easy Yeah. Uh, because of the way that, you know, maybe the bracket is made or something. They get some good matches, but I mean, look, they're 17 and two, they're 12 and zero in the conference. Um, as you mentioned, and I think I am, I think, have I bought, I'm trying to sell on somebody, but I'm, I'm going to, I want to sell, but I'm buying again, Dave. Like I'm buying. <laughs> you sold Hamilton. You sold Hamilton. I did. I did sell Hamilton. <laughs> I'm going to buy LaRoche though. You know, here's the other thing too, is, is there a team that can either easily host or get shipped for teams for the mid Atlantic and East? Um, they can either host a lot of teams cause they're in Pittsburgh or they can, and they can, um, um, uh, go places to your point of a team that can make a run. Uh, yeah, they're in a good position here. Like, I think I might sponsor a couple planes and we're <laughs> put a bunch of teams on planes and we're going to get ship them to Lincoln, Nebraska <laughs> and Rock Island, Illinois. Yeah. 
Like if we could just get a bunch of teams over there, that would be a good thing. I will say they're a little bit tricky here. They're on the road for the next three and five of their last six. Penn State, Barron, Pitt, Bradford, Franciscan, then at home against Madai, then on the road against Mount Oliosius and Penn State, Altoona. I, I'm not talking about those teams are suddenly great that they can beat LaRoche. It's just a grind. Five of your next six are road trips out of Pittsburgh in what is going to be lousy weather at least for the next week. That could be the only thing I could see tripping up LaRoche, but I think it might be time to buy in a little bit. Absolutely. I, they're a good team, and uh, and we'll see what happens, but they seem like they're, they're ready for a tournament run. We're running a little long here, and I'm enjoying this, so we're going to keep it going for at least one more pick. I'm jumping back into the CCIW here. This person said it's a good candidate for sell, he thinks. North Central, 17-3, and 9-2 in the CCIW. I disagree. I think uh, I think North Central has been a little bit um, underrated here the last few weeks. I know why they weren't um, in the top 25 a couple weeks ago is because their strength of schedule was so so weak. But look, if you look at where North Central is right now in the league, in in you know arguably what a top three, a top two, a top three conference in Division Three, um, North Central is in phenomenal shape right now. They're 17 to three overall. They're nine and two in the league. Um, they have lost a couple key players, uh, mm. Big Sky uh, Bronick, and of course Aiden Chang, um, their point guard. Yeah. But they have replaced them with very talented guys that were on the bench or are playing sparingly. Um, I think North Central is a team, kind of like a Stevens Point. Like you don't want to play them early in the tournament if they're a lower seed than you and they come in as an underdog. Um, they seem like a clear number two team in the league to me right now. Like I, I think they're a little better than, than weakness. I don't know what to make of them. I saw them in Vegas. I don't know what to make of them. You talk about mulligans. We talk about mulligans on the board. I thought it was great because I always have had a mulligan point of view. I just never use that term where a team has a loss. You sit there going, you did what? Um, but in this, you, this age of parody, you, you got to throw one away. You got to say, you know, it's like Nebraska Wesleyan losing to Loris. It's like Loris losing to Buke. you got to take a loss and go, gone. Uh, and I agree with you. It's the second one. You go, Woo, wait a minute. We need yep. to talk. Um, their loss to North Park is a head scratcher, but in the Mulligan world, I'm willing to throw that out. It's the loss to Ohio Northern that makes you go, what did you do? And that happened in front of me. Um, they beat Husson. I almost felt like they thought it was going to be easy against Ohio Northern. And guess what? The big man inside said, hi, my name is All-American. Um, my concern though is the end here, Bob. Their next games at home against Augustana, yeah. At home against Illinois Wesleyan, at home against Aston Francis. I mean Wheaton. Um, then on the road against Carthage and Elmhurst. I know they're home games, but that's a bit of a beast. Even if Illinois Wesleyan isn't their best. Well, I I don't think that they're going to beat Augustana, so I'm on, on record there. So that's a loss. I think the game against Illinois Wesleyan is a coin flip. Mm -hmm. I think the game against Aston Francis, um, a.k.a. Wheaton, is a coin flip. <laughs> I think the game at Carthage is a coin flip. And I think the game at Elmhurst is a coin flip. I, you may have just Jedi mind-tricked me into a cell, Dave. This is why Ooh. I vote. Earlier, before I came on the show tonight, I think I'm in a mid-buy position at this point. After okay. talking through this, this has been very therapeutic. Thank you. And you're I welcome. think I'm in a mid-buy position with the you're, party. You're welcome on any show if you'd like on Sundays. Um, I just, I mean, I've seen them in person, and I like pieces that they have. Yes, injuries have been have been tough, and I feel bad 
because they lost some good talent, though Chang is hysterical to watch. And Vegas, because he can go scooting behind the bench the entire game. I know he can't do that everywhere. Um, I just don't know what it is about him that concerns me. I can't speak about it, but I've seen it happen, if that makes any sense. Um, I'm mid-buy, too. I I got him 21 on my ballot last week. I I just I think this next run is going to either make them implode or make them excel. Now, let me ask you this, Mr. McHugh. I don't think it's a middle ground is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Let me try a Jedi mind trick on you, Dave. So we just talked about North Central's schedule the rest of the way. Mm-hmm. So let me bring up your boys, Whitworth, the Pirates. Yeah. If Whitworth had North Central's remaining five games versus Augustana, versus Illinois Wesleyan, versus Wheaton at Carthage at Elmers, what would Whitworth's record be in those five games? At worst, four and one. Maybe five and oh, you're saying? I think they give Augustana a hell of a game. Let me try this one. What would Whitworth's record be with Illinois Wesleyan's schedule? Two games against Augustana, Whitman, Stevens Point, North Central. What would Whitworth's record be with Illinois Wesleyan's schedule? How many losses would they have? I'm actually looking at it. So, um, two losses, maybe three if someone snuck on them. Because their depth is, I mean, when they get to the bench, I get worried. But that core group of seven, eight is some of the best that Whitworth's had. You um, and I, different spots on Whitworth, because I think Whitworth with Illinois oh, West still has six losses right now. No, That's they're better than that. And listen, I, I get where you're coming from, Mike, because I read your comments, made me think. Again, I saw them in Vegas. I've watched a lot of them on tape. They rise to the occasion. My concerns are twofold. They sometimes don't rise to everybody. That's why I think someone would trip them up. Um, and if you go too deep in their bench, they're not consistent. They were great against Whitman when they had to go deep in the bench. Nearly got them a win in that game. But the Willamette game kind of sh- is where that all comes together for me. That's why I think at their best, they're a two-loss team in that Illinois Wesleyan schedule. I can see where you argue six or seven. I, I'm not going to doubt that, but I don't think it would happen. Fair enough. So for the the this listeners, this is my chance of just throwing a little buy sell at Dave. I don't get to pick the teams. This is me kind of throwing. I like it. I, like it. I enjoy. Um, it. I, I they're a top ten team to me. I know you don't feel that way. That's I that's think why there's twenty five voters. Yeah, I think they're <laughs> a good team. I think they're like twenty. That's kind yeah. of where I see them. Like I see them down where the the North Centrals and Wheatons are. They're somewhere in there. You've known me long enough to know that I've had those teams too. Um, there were people who lost their minds over teams in the Central that I wouldn't put lofty, and and I had a middle ground. It, that's why we have 25 voters around the country, because we see we it vote. differently. That's why we vote. Um, I got a question. Hold on. Um, someone says, watch both shows all season. I assume he means all day of the week or both shows of the week. And and no, you don't believe in Worcester, but Dave believe. I'm going to throw that one at you, and then I got one more, and we'll wrap things up. Worcester. Listen, the Wabash game is now making me look at it. But I haven't been a big buyer of Worcester this season. I, I can't put my finger on it. Inconsistency is the only thing that comes to mind quickly, but I just haven't been able to buy into the Scots. 
I, uh, the last time we did this, I was a Worcester buyer. I'm still buying. They're 16 to three overall. They're 11 and one tied for the NCAC lead right now. Uh, let's look at their remaining schedule. Oh, it's tough. Ohio Wesleyan, Kenyon, Ohio Wesleyan, Denison, Wittenberg, Oberlin, DePaul. But the Wittenberg game is at home. Yeah. Right? Ohio right. Wesleyan isn't Ohio Wesleyan from the last three years. No, it's just at their place. I mean, if you, you know, look Mike's at me ready. one, two, three, I think there's one loss there. I mean, Whitworth would go undefeated against the schedules, according to you. Um, I digress. Uh, I think yes, Worcester. I think <laughs> I think Worcester loses just one more game and rolls into the tournament as a like rated number twelve team, high seed, ready to do some damage. I, I like Worcester. Well, and to be honest, and that's why I'm starting to to buy in a little bit. They have a loss to Wabash. They have a loss to Whitman. Uh, they have a loss to Sol Ross. They had a horrible stretch there, losing three straight. Uh, got back on the ship with a win at home against, or back on the boat with a win against Ohio Wesleyan uh, at home. That's why I'm starting to buy in. It's just something. There's nothing about them that, to me, has screamed we're a great team. I think they're just they're well coached. Steve Moore does a great job. I just haven't been able to buy in. That said, the win over Wabash was now granted at their place. They've split yeah. basically both teams at their home place. Uh, I thought certainly has turned my opinion, and I, I, I I'm. Probably will put them into my top 25 this week, but it'll be interesting. I got about 20 teams I could argue into the top 25 right now. Um, but yeah, no, I'm impressed. I think though, I agree with you. I think they got at least one loss in that group. I would not be surprised if they had two. Um, oh, but I think even with two, it looks like they're in pretty good shape here. Pool C, pool A, whatever yeah. the case. Oh, they, I think they, they may make the tournament. Yeah, no, yes. I, I don't disagree with that. Um, last question, a curveball. We're going to get you ready for our, our Sunday show in about a month's time. If you had to pick, because Pool B actually is a conversation this year, if you had to pick one of them right now out of these three, Gwyneth Mercy at 14 and 6, 6 and 1 in the new Atlantic East, Mary Wood 13 and 6, 5 and 1 in the same conference, Thomas Moore 14 and 7, technically not in the conference. They will have the ACAA to play in. You know, you they, this is when you ask me questions, sometimes I go over here to this computer and I kind of buy myself some time. I'm not even trying to do that at this point. <laughs> I'm going to say that uh, Gwyned Mercy is my pick there uh, because they really can defend you. <laughs> I'm just making things update, but that's my pick at this point. I was going to pick Thomas Moore only because their women's program was so good for so long, but I really have no idea um, on these three teams. Ryan Scott would have this down. This, folks, is what you're losing with Ryan Scott being out of town right now. <laughs> I, I would actually agree with you. I think Gwyneth Mercy's got the, the edge there. But I have also haven't dived into um, some of the other numbers, as in you know SOS and all that jazz. I just know Thomas Moore's SOS isn't going to be that great, and they've already got seven losses. Um, that's kind of where I'm sitting there with that one. Um, that, sir, is much longer than I anticipated us talking. I am much later into this show than I expected us to be. Um, by the way, Dan says Wittenberg has a nice gym. You are right. They do. Um, oh, Ryan asks, has Bob watched Yeshiva yet? I, uh, I have not. Oh. I, that's a viewing list for this week, actually. Um, now that the, the Titans of Illinois Western are struggling a little bit, I can watch Yeshiva more than I planned on. So this week it will be. Ryan Scott also says Barron is going to win over LaRoche this week, probably because we've just jinxed him by talking about him. Because I bought. Yep, and you bought, yep. And then he said, uh, I wouldn't ever bet on Worcester, but their schedule is pretty strong and they've earned a decent ranking. 
Absolutely. I agree with him. Hey, sir, it's always fun to talk to you. Uh, I don't know if we'll get you on the marathon on Thursday, uh, but we will get you on the show at a later date, to be sure. we got to get you a couple times maybe before Sunday, the selection night. But thanks, as always. Any uh, final thoughts to those out there uh, who've been tuning into this madness? No, I think great season so far. Um, to me, one of the leagues that's uh, fun to watch the rest of the way will be the UAA. What's, yeah. uh, what's happening there with that little tie they have to sort out? I think that's going to be really cool to watch. And I think the parity throughout the, the league, even look throughout the country, even after Augustana, Nebraska, Wesley, and that group, I think you've got legitimately 10 teams that could win the national championship. It's going to be a, a fun stretch here. Yeah, no, it's going to be, and to quote Mike uh, McGrath, we're, we're going to have, a, or no, Steve, uh, Gary Stewart, that's who I'm trying to say. Uh, we're going to have an absolutely wide open tournament. It's going to be fun to watch, to be sure. Thank you for your time, sir. As always, take care of yourself. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Dave. See you. Bye-bye. Yep. Bob Quillman joining us here on the Blue Frame Technology Skype Hoopsville Hotline. Appreciate Bob taking the time to do that. Uh, we're going to wrap up the show at this point because we're well past when I thought we'd be done. Um, not sure why my audio is jumping around like it is today. I'm a little bit, now my audio is higher than it was again with Bob, but I apologize. We'll figure out that little glitch. Um, again, uh, so much going on. Who's going to be number one in Division Three men's basketball tomorrow evening when the poll is revealed Great question. I, I don't know the answer. Uh, Bob is leaning towards Augustana. I'm on a Nebraska Wesleyan train. Uh, there's already been at least one Whitman vote that's come in. It's going to be fascinating to see. I think all four of those teams have an argument. Nebraska Wesleyan, Augustana, Whitman, and Oshkosh. Um, heck, St. Thomas maybe even has an argument, though I think maybe not. Pomona Pitzer is about the only one-loss team, I'm going to tell you, does not have an argument at this point. Um, but everybody, it's going to be a fascinating top 25, a lot of losses. Again, Thursday seemed like things were relatively calm and then things blew up by the time we got here, uh, on, uh, on this evening. Um, with that, we're going to wrap things up again. The marathon is coming up on, uh, Thursday. We'll start at 12 o'clock. I've got a long list of guests, uh, a mixture of interviews with schools and a mixture of people who are involved in division three in some shape or form. We'll hopefully talk to both committee chairs as well, which we traditionally do, but not always. Sometimes your schedules just don't allow it, but we'll figure it out. We'll also hear from Danielle Donahue, the uh, head of the Women's Basketball Coaches Association. We've been talking to her yearly. Look forward to talking to her yet again about the state of women's basketball from her point of view, uh, and plus many others. So we'll release uh, information Monday and Tuesday as we get into Thursday, uh, and then you'll see my uh, myself right here sitting here getting this show on the air Thursday. Again, cutting back due to personal reasons and for a lot of others. There's a number of you ask about our fundraising efforts. We, we've done some, some decently well with, um, with uh, advertising, but I realize there's a lot of you that want to give us back. Um, we appreciate that. As a result of that, uh, we will find a way to find some kind of way of doing a fundraiser. We can't do the leg work that the old fundraisers did. It's just, we don't have the time anymore, um, but we'll find some way to, to, to give you a chance to, to help us. We appreciate that. We're very uh, honored by that. I just need to find the right system that doesn't take a lot of money, doesn't require a ton of time on our end. We'll figure it out and let you know all about it. In the meantime, thanks to all of our guests here tonight. Um, who appeared on the show from Randy Tuggle at Greensboro Women's Basketball, Nicole Sacrone at Staten Island Women's Basketball, Gary Stewart 
at Stevenson University, um, Todd Murphy at Gordon, Mike McGrath at Chicago, and, of course, Bob Quillman, Titan Q from IWUHoops.com. I appreciate them taking the time. I also appreciate all the uh, sports information directors from Wes at Greensboro, uh, David at Staten Island, Greg Royce at Stevenson, um, everybody in between who helped us out. Um, it, it means a lot when they can help us out and get this show on the air and get content to us which also is a big help for us. So we appreciate everybody who helped us out uh, along the way. Uh, Kendall, by the way, uh, we forgot about Kendall uh, at Gordon. Um, and of course, Nathan and, and, and Nicole at Chicago. So appreciate everybody taking the time. Don't forget, Hoopsville is owned uh, by us at DMAC Productions and myself. If you'd like to use this show in any way, shape, or form, we appreciate it. We would be honored. Thank you, but please contact us so we can officially write off on it that we approve of your use and re-airing of our show. If you missed any portion of it, please feel free to watch this on demand or listen to the podcast. Speaking of the podcast, if you're a fan of the podcast, please go and, and give us a review, uh, at least you know some stars or whatever. Whether you're watching us on SoundCloud, whether you listen, or I should say listening to us on SoundCloud, or you're listening to us through um, Google um, play or Spotify or Apple Podcasts, whatever the case may be, give us a review. I noticed recently that we don't have any. It's not the end of the world, but it would be kind of nice. It also would drive some recognition for others who may be looking out for the show as well. And with that, we've got to get off the air. We are way too late into this. Congratulations to Bowden, who got past Amherst in a big game. I again predicted this on the podcast. You missed this, but I predicted that Bowden will probably separate itself from Thomas Moore in tomorrow's top 25. Whereas on the men's side, it's a free-for-all. I wouldn't be surprised if Nebraska Wesleyan stayed number one. I also would not be shocked in the slightest if they fell to even third or fourth, the way sometimes voters react to losses. And with that, we say good night. You've been listening to Hoops, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC studios. We thank our sponsors, the Women's Basketball Coaches Association, National Basketball Coaches Association, of course, D3Hoops.com, and Blue Frame Technology. If you're interested in advertising or being a sponsor on this program, please let us know. You can join the likes of University of Eau Claire, Athletics, and Randolph-Macon as well. You've been listening to Hoopsville. If you want to talk about Division Three basketball, you've got to watch Hoopsville. Good night, everybody. See you on the marathon on Thursday.